The Lifestylist, episode 133, featuring Dr. Amy Killen and Dr. Harry Adelson. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. You guys know this show is all about innovating your health and well-being and finding companies and services that are going to support that, right? Well, I just found one called Health IQ that I'm really excited about that I want to share with you. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that gets you discounts based on your level of health and your lifestyle. So just like you can save money on your car insurance for being a good driver... Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance policy for living a health-conscious lifestyle. And if you're listening to the Lifestyles podcast, I know that's what you're doing. So it's time for you to be rewarded. You can save between 4 and 33% on your policy by showing your stats and proving that you do, in fact, live a healthy lifestyle. So now all that hard work is ready to be rewarded, my friend. So to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com forward slash lifestylist. That's healthiq.com forward slash lifestyles to save on your life insurance policy. And as a fun little health IQ bonus, if you want to find out just how healthy you are, you can actually take their quiz, which is pretty cool. I'm about to take it myself and see what my results are. You can go to healthiq.com forward slash quiz, and it's actually going to rate your level of health. Pretty cool. That's healthiq.com forward slash quiz. Today's show is backed up by foursigmatic.com. These guys are doing some amazing stuff. Now, you know I'm really into their medicinal mushroom extracts. I talk about them all the time. I use them literally every day. I'm not even playing. But now they've got some other really cool things. They've got a green coffee bean extract. They have a brain stack, a sleep stack. They've got a couple other mushroom-infused coffee mixes. They've got a matcha tea with lion's mane. A lot of really potent organic super chronic, super food, and herbal blend. So I want you to get over to foursigmatic.com and enter the code LUKESTORY to save 15% off. That's foursigmatic.com. Using the code LUKESTORY saves you a whopping potent 15% off. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Luke Story from lukestory.com. You are now taking part in the Lifestylist Podcast. Welcome to the show. Today's show is called Miracle Medicine, My Stem Cell Journey, and it is going to be an insane episode, so stay tuned. Before we get into that, though, I want to make a couple announcements. I have some amazing events coming up that I'd like to invite you to. First one is this weekend. That's the Longevity Now Conference with David Wolf in Orange County, California, April 6th through April 8th. I'd also like to announce our winners from my contest. So congratulations to Chris Lyons, 
Priscilla Bingham, and Nancy Howler. You each will be bringing a plus one to this event in Orange County this weekend. So congratulations. Make sure you come say what's up to me. I'm going to be the official podcaster of this particular conference. So you will see me, my microphones, my tripods, my cameras running around like a maniac. Make sure you come up and say what's up. And I might even throw your ass on the podcast. So look out for that. Next up, I'll be speaking at the Soho Little Beach House Malibu on April 24th, interviewing Eli Block about orgasmic meditation. After that, I'll be speaking at Paleo FX. Yeah, my first time to Austin, Texas. That takes place April 27th through 29th. If you want to come to any of the events that I'm participating in, you can always find them at lukestory.com forward slash events. Next, I'd like to remind you to join my newsletter. This is not one of those crappy newsletters where I spam the hell out of you. What happens if you sign up for my newsletter is a little bit different. I'm going to send you all the clickable links and show notes each week for every single podcast like this one that I listen to. You ever listen to a podcast and you're like, oh, I got to pause it and screen grab it and write a note or text myself because someone just said something awesome. They mentioned a resource that you want to be able to go back to later. Well, listen, don't trip, boo. All you got to do is get on your old pal Luke's newsletter, and I'm going to send that to your inbox free of charge every Tuesday. It's pretty dope. So here's what you do. If you're on a U.S. phone, text the word lifestylist, that's all one word, lifestylist, to the number 44222. So literally just grab your phone right now, pull the car over, do whatever you got to do, keep it safe. Text the word lifestylist to this number, 44222. If you're not on a U.S. phone or you don't like texting, which might make you an alien, you can just go to the URL, lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. That's lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. I promise to respect your email address, your privacy, and not over email you with a bunch of crazy stuff. All right, next up, stay tuned for next week's episode, which comes out next Tuesday. That's number 134 with my business partner at School of Style and incidentally, ex-girlfriend, Lauren Messiah. It's the first time I've interviewed her on the show after having the show for almost two years. We're going to talk about the psychology of style. It's a really fun, uh, very personal recording. I think you really enjoy it. And then I want to give a shout out to my boy, James J. Todd, who did some of the soundtrack music for this episode. You can find his stuff at jjtmusic.com. All right. So on to this episode. This is going to be a really fun one, you guys. I'm so excited to drop this to you. So here's the deal. Five weeks ago, I flew to Dosere Clinics in Park City, Utah to undergo stem cell therapy with doctors Harry Adelson and Amy Killen. So I had stem cells extracted from my back fat, my hip bone marrow, then injected into my face, scalp, shoulder, spine, hip, and my... Now, the main purpose of my treatment was to treat my severe back pain. I've had this going on for like 20 years, and it's just out of control. I've tried everything that I've ever heard of to fix it. Nothing's really worked, so... Uh, Stem cell treatment's been on my vision board for years, and I finally decided to get it done. So in this particular episode, I really shake things up in terms of the format, and you get to follow my entire stem cell treatment journey all the way from the day I left L.A., went to Utah, and then came back here. So you're going to get a play-by-play report of all the biohacks I used, along with the interviews with both doctors in this one episode. 
And uh, I actually conducted these interviews right in the operating room before I went under anesthesia and had the procedure. So it's kind of a trip. I also live streamed it uh, on Facebook and Instagram, like all the gory blood chopping me up, all that stuff. And uh, if you want to see some of that, you can go to my YouTube channel, just search Luke's story on YouTube, and you can see both of these interviews individually. And then there's also a mashup video, like a hardcore video of my surgery. Now, I'm not going to watch it because I'll get too freaked out and nauseous and lightheaded and I'll never do any other procedures like this again. So I'm not going to watch it, but it lives on YouTube. It's pretty hardcore. I was unconscious, so I don't know and I never want to know, but you can find it there. So the first half of this episode chronicles my journey to Utah. Then I go to some hot springs when I landed. I actually interview uh, a listener to the show who took me to the hot springs and then I interview Dr. Harry Adelson. After Harry's interview about the pain and injury portion of my treatment, I sit down with Dr. Amy Killen and we discuss her specialty, anti-aging, beauty, and sexual optimization. So make sure you listen all the way through this whole episode because at the end, I give a full report on what's happened since I walked out of surgery and of course, all the crazy biohacks I've used to speed up my recovery and how I'm actually getting along five weeks later, you know, the full report up to date, okay? So in the interview with Harry, we talk about his specialty. I'm not gonna do my usual bullets because I wanna go ahead and get right into this, but essentially all the things that he does for injuries and pain, that's his specialty. And we, of course, discuss what he's about to do to me uh, right after that interview, you know, putting these stem cells in my discs and my spine and in my hip and uh, my SI joint and all of this crazy stuff. So in the first half, you're gonna really learn about the application for long-standing injuries and pain and stem cells. So as you can see, this is going to be a pretty intense and uh, in-depth episode that you're about to uh, embark on with me. So let's go ahead and jump into the very beginning of this journey. I'm currently traveling 85 miles an hour headed southbound on the 110 freeway toward the Long Beach Airport where I will board a plane to go see Dr. Harry Adelson and Dr. Amy Killen in Park City, Utah for my stem cell treatment. Really excited. Uh, I don't know that what I'm doing is necessarily safe at the moment. I've got my headphones on. I've got my podcast equipment running and I'm doing Instagram lives and all sorts of shit that you're not supposed to do at, woo, I'm at 90 miles an hour now. Anyway, here I am. As I drive down the road, I'm realizing tomorrow I'm actually kind of going under the knife. I mean, there's going to be anesthesia involved. I will be poked, prodded, injected, extracted. It's going to be quite a medical procedure. And uh, all of this being documented on Instagram and Facebook Live, as I tend to do. So, um, yeah, here I am on the freeway, first time recording a podcast this way. If you happen to be enlisted as a service man or woman on the California Highway Patrol, I uh, politely request that you keep this conversation confidential because I'm sure I'm breaking quite a few laws at the moment. But I'm going to do my stem cell treatment. I prepped myself this morning by waking up to a huge glass of dissolved shilajit resin in some spring water with a little bit of sea salt and some iodine. I then went and did my meditation uh, using my amp coil to decoagulate all of my blood cells and do all sorts of crazy stuff with that PEMF technology. I also spent that time inhaling hydrogen gas for my vital reaction, 
hydrogen inhaler. And now as I drive down the freeway, I can only drive with my left hand. You know why? Because my right hand is being electrocuted by a device called a SOTA, S-O-T-A. And the SOTA is a technology developed by a man named Bob Beck, who was really into energy medicine, a brilliant guy. And uh, what I'm doing is blood electrification. And so I'm actually cleansing myself of all fungus viruses and bacteria in my bloodstream over the course of the next three weeks by putting this crazy thing on my wrist and shocking the hell out of myself. So this is how I spend a Sunday morning, folks, as I head to the Long Beach airport on my way to Park City, Utah for my stem cell treatment. Over and out until the next transmission. Here I am at the Long Beach airport sitting, waiting for the plane. Believe it or not, I actually made it uh, a little bit early, so I have time to do another quick broadcast. I got to say, I got a big shout out to the Long Beach airport. This place is super chill. I think I'm going to start trying to take more flights out of this airport if possible. It was a little longer drive than LAX, but it was worth it. And what I'm doing now in preparation of my flight is running my human charger through my ears, which helps me adjust to the new time zone. So it shines blue light into to the brain. The brain actually has photoreceptors on it, so the human charger is great for adjusting to different time zones. I'm only changing by one hour, but still, I've got the surgery tomorrow, so I want to make sure that I can get to bed early tonight. So um, it's kind of good that I'm exhausted and stayed up too late last night. <laughs> I'm pretty tweaked. The other thing I'm doing as part of my protocol, and I'm doing a light protocol this travel because the flight's only two hours or so. So I don't go as hardcore as I do for international or flying to New York or something. But what I'm doing right now is dissolving two tablets of uh, vital reaction molecular hydrogen into my Avion water. Luckily, I got to the airport here and I, I saw all these really crappy like Dasani waters and Arrowhead Nestle, just nasty tap water and cheap plastic bottles. And then I finally found the mother load of like giant Avion bottles um, in a harder plastic that's a bit, uh, that leaches a bit less. So I've got two tabs of the hydrogen in there and what that does is reduces oxidative stress from flying. It's really potent anti-inflammatory. It scavenges free radicals, except the good free radicals, because some free radicals actually help you and some don't. So that's kind of part of the protocol. So I'll pound one of those every 90 minutes or so. So I'll do one now, and then I'll probably do another whole bottle when I land, and in addition to tons of other supplements, which I'll tell you about later. But um, I'm excited, you know, I'm, I'm lucky I just got to the airport. They had valet here, so I just like pulled right up to tiny ass airport. And I just rolled right through the TSA pre-check, through security, and everything's looking on the up and up. Now, when I arrive in Salt Lake City, I'm going to check into my hotel, and then uh, I am going to join a listener that's going to take me to a secret natural hot spring. So I'll be reporting from there likely later, uh, knee-deep in snow. I had to go out and buy some snowshoes because... Apparently, you need those where it's 7 degrees. <laughs> so I'm flying out of sunny L.A. It's probably like 65 here, and uh, I'm going to be in the snow momentarily, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to be doing cryotherapy, just naked running around in the woods. Actually, no, I'm not. I found out because there are so many Mormons in Utah that running around naked at the hot springs is not really kosher. So that sucks. I'll have to wear some weird shorts. But listen, I'm excited to go to the hot spring, and uh, I'll talk to you in the next segment. Here I go off on this big piece of metal into the sky. Here I am 35,000 feet above planet Earth en route to Salt Lake City. 
on my JetBlue flight, I just did a 45-minute meditation because I was just smoked from staying up too late last night. I had a weird thing happen uh, where my little recorder's SD card, the sound card, went corrupt. And, of course, there was not, you know, an electronic store available late last night or maybe in my destination of Park City, Utah, that would have what I need. So I ended up staying up really late, so I had to do a couple meditations. But I always recommend meditating on flights. It really helps with the air travel fatigue, and it's just very calming. So I put in earplugs and noise-canceling headphones. I do my meditation. So that's what I'm up to here. But also, I just want to share some other travel hacks because people seem to be very intrigued by some of the things that I do that are really helpful. I'm, of course, uh, on some modafinil today, and as I mentioned earlier, doing my hydrogen, uh, molecular hydrogen tabs from Vital Reaction. Also doing a MitoLife DHA, which is an algae oil. It's really good during travel. It's good for your brain and all kinds of stuff, for your eyes. It's amazing. And then I do marine phytoplankton. And then for energy and fatigue, which I get a lot when traveling, I do a lot of unfair advantage from Bulletproof which is a combination of PQQ and CoQ10. So when I get on the airplane, uh, I've got a lot of tricks up my sleeve. Ooh, I'm looking out the window and there's so much snow. Oh my God, dude. Uh, And then what else is going on? Uh, And then I'll periodically huff oxygen canisters. I bring these little mini canisters of 90, I think it's 98% pure oxygen. And when no flight attendants are looking, I'll bust that out of my bag and just huff on that stuff a little to keep my blood oxygen levels up. And I also do something which is pretty cool, and that is uh, right now I have a little ozone generator on a lanyard around my neck. So it's about the size of uh, a couple cigarette lighters, maybe a little bit smaller, and it generates ozone right under your nose to clean this putrid, germ-laden, recycled air on the plane to really you know, help avoid getting sinus infections or getting a cold or anything like that. So, so far, so good on the flight. I'm looking forward to hitting the ground and uh, getting to my hotel and heading out into the snow to soak in a hot spring. So I think I'll be checking in with you once we touch down. See you soon. Here I am in my Uber en route from the Salt Lake City Airport to Park City. And uh, man, I wish you listeners could see what I'm seeing. It is so beautifully snowy and awesome out here. Uh, Utah in some places can be a little bit of a wasteland, you know, when there's no snow, but uh, landing in Salt Lake City was gorgeous and uh, it's 30 degrees out. So to add a little lesson into this (laughs) intro here, uh, the first thing I did when I got off the plane is I ran out so I didn't run, but I got myself outside of baggage claim as soon as possible. And uh, thankfully, even though it's 30 degrees, it's quite sunny and warm and just beautiful and the air is clean. So I went out and did a few minutes of a breath of fire, took off my shoes and socks, grounded in the snow with my bare feet. It was fantastic. Got some natural sunlight in my eyes, just trying to acclimate back to the natural state of a human being on the ground. And another thing that I find really useful on flight is wearing compression gear. So I have compression calf socks as well as a full compression shirt. And that helps to keep your circulation going and uh, stop the stagnation that can happen when you're seated for too long. Now that was a short flight. It was actually over before I knew it. I meditated a bit, hung out, took a few supplements, did my thing, listened to a podcast with Guru Jagat and uh, 
and it was over, you know. Uh, hopefully my surgery tomorrow will be <laughs> as easy as that flight was. So until we meet again, I'm signing out from some freeway in the middle of Utah. The eagle has landed. I made it to my hotel room in Park City, and uh, it's lovely. It's got a fireplace. It's got a window, <laughs> which is always helpful to get some of that mountain air in. And so the first thing I did to biohack this situation and my room was to throw a grounding sheet on the bed, plug that in, and then uh, take a freezing cold shower, take my supplements, which is my uh, liposomal glutathione and various other vitamins from Quicksilver Scientific, really good delivery system there. Took a little paracetam to help me adjust to the altitude. Now normally I would have brought my amp coil and also my biomat, but this was a short flight and a short trip and it was just a little too much drama. So uh, what I did instead to help along this whole stem cell situation is I brought my Vital Reaction Molecular Hydrogen Inhaler. So I think this is the first podcast I've ever recorded with the inhaler in my nose and you can actually hear the machine. Hopefully you can hear that gurgling in the background. So I stopped off and bought some distilled water and then put some spring water into the uh, little cooling tank and I am huffing some hydrogen. And what that's going to do is uh, just get rid of any oxidative stress that I picked up while traveling and it's going to maximize the effect of my stem cell treatment. So that's it for the hotel. I got a few more gadgets here that I use in recovery. I'll be, of course, swapping out the light bulbs in the room uh, that are blue for some amber ones that I always pack with me. So when I come back tonight, I can kill all the blue light and make sure to get lots of good sleep. And now I'm about to run downstairs and meet a listener that I've never met named Kia, who uh, offered on Instagram to drive me out and show me this really amazing hot spring. So stay tuned for the next part of the adventure. Now is probably going to be my favorite part of this trip. I've arrived here at the Secret Hot Springs in Midway, Utah with Kaya, who I met on Instagram and listens to the show, which is one of the best things about having a podcast and traveling is you get to meet people that are like-minded and awesome, and she offered to bring me to this hot springs. Now, literally, I have to admit, um, Satan himself could come up from the darkness and ask me to go to a hot springs and I would go. If you were like, hey, I'm a serial killer, I'll take you to a hot springs, I would say yes. So um, I did not know Kaya and I'm getting to know her. And so I thought as I'm driving out here, I said, you know what, why don't I just throw you on the podcast? You listen to the podcast, let's just be on it. So welcome to the show, Kaya. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> nice to be here. It's funny, you probably never thought you'd be doing this today, no, huh? No, never. All right, so I know this is a secret hot springs, but tell us a little bit about it. Well, I'm looking outside and I see the beautiful Wasatch Mountains covered in white snow. Everybody's happy about that. And how long have you been coming here? About the last couple years, but it's been, um, people have been using it for about 15 years and it just recently has been upgraded. Ah, nice. And from what I understand, uh, I might have the opportunity to, it's snowing out, you guys, by the way, or not snowing, but there's snow on the ground. I might be able to get in some cold water too, I hear, huh? Yes, there's, uh, there's um, watering troughs for like horses or cows that are filled with um, cold water. So you can get all sweaty hot from the springs and then either jump in the snow to cool down or plunge into the cold tubs. That's my absolute favorite thing in the entire world, literally. And how did you find out about the Lifestylist podcast? I was uh, looking around for, um, I was looking for Psalm Isadora. That was the first podcast 
that I met you. And that's an interesting one because, as you know, shortly after I recorded that, she committed suicide tragically. Yeah, that was a that was a heavy one. All right, so what are your You've lived out for 21 years in, in around Park City, Utah. What are your three top recommendations to keeping yourself healthy? Staying outside as much as possible and drinking good coffee in the morning and riding my horse. Oh, love it. I love all three of those. I haven't ridden a horse in a long time, though. And what are your top three recommendations for keeping yourself spiritually and emotionally centered? And they can't be the same three. Well, I would say doing yoga, and I would say spending quality time with my kids and family and friends, and lastly, somehow it's going to be a little bit overlapping, but I'm exercising and that all happens outside, but keeping myself fit by hiking in the mountains. Awesome. I love it. Okay, so we're going to jump over this snow-covered berm here and getting some water. Unfortunately, from what I understand, since we're in Mormon country, I will not be able to run around <laughs> buck naked like I prefer when in nature, but it's okay. I will I will respect the local customs and I will wear my silly bathing trunks. All right, you guys, we're out. Uh, stay tuned for the next report. All right, so I just had one of the best hot springs experiences of my entire life. And trust me, I've had a lot. Oh my God, what's that? Oh, there's a huge ass wild turkey in front of us in the road. That is so sick. Oh my God, I wish this was not audio, you guys. I've never seen a wild turkey. That looks so awesome. Okay, so back to the hot springs. So... This was the most radical hot springs because there's snow everywhere. And so you soak for a little bit and then jump out, go lay in the snow, do some of those snow angels, lay there, chill out for a little while, literally until you're about to die. It's It's 27 degrees out right now too, just FYI. And then back into the hot water. One of the pools was about 110 really 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 hot uh, so just absolutely fantastic and very chill scene you know not a bunch of people listening to gangster rap pounding 40s smoking blunts it was real low key which is what i prefer as a as an older gentleman now as i'm becoming <laughs> and so uh now i'm headed back into town and um i've got to go prep my interview notes for tomorrow so it's been quite an eventful day but I really want to make sure that I'm that I'm asking the right questions tomorrow when I interview my doctors. And then, of course, that will lead right into my stem cell procedure. So it's, I feel really good today, too, just to get the energy moving around in my body, doing all that hot and cold contrast uh, for, I don't know, two, three hours over here. Really set me up. I feel very invigorated and healed so that I'm ready for tomorrow. So on to the next one. Wow, what a day, guys. So it's Sunday night, the eve before my multiple stem cell procedures tomorrow at Docera Clinics. I just put it in my navigation app and it said zero miles away. So thankfully, I think I can just walk outside and walk right into the clinic. Uh, I had the most amazing day today at the hot springs and the whole thing. Uh, found a great farm to table restaurant here, got some really healthy food because I have to fast for, I don't know, 12 hours or something like that. Now I'm going to sneak in a little bulletproof coffee in the morning. So that's how I roll. But uh, I was able to get a nice hearty meal in. And then, you know, as fortune would have it, 
uh, my new friend Kaya, who is, of course, the listener to the show that took me to this amazing hot springs today, uh, informed me on the way back to drop me off that she is a uh, body worker. She's a massage therapist. She's been doing that for 20 years. And I just happened to see the table in the back of her car. So I said, hmm, you know, I know it's Sunday and all. I personally don't like to work on Sundays, but if you're someone that doesn't mind working on Sundays, I could really use a massage because I'm just tweaked from flying and not having a massage in a long time. And of course, she was awesome and obliged and gave me a great massage. So that was uh, that was wonderful. And then she bounced and I got to work on prepping my show, which is, um, I think, going to be pretty damn good. I've got all of my interview notes here in Evernote. I'm going to be asking... Dr. Harry Adelson, mostly about the work he does in pain. And of course, we're going to be talking about all of the things that he's going to be doing to me tomorrow in the treatment. And then Dr. Amy Killen, uh, that interview will be more based on the work that she specializes in, which is sexual optimization and skin and beauty. So I've got everything laid out. I'm feeling very prepared. It's a, ooh, it's a little late. It's 11.50. I need to go to bed. <laughs> but I've, uh, I've had my true dark blue blocking glasses on since like 8.30. I'm, I took some melatonin just to cheat because I'm not messing around tonight. I've really got to get some quality sleep. But I'm feeling uh, a little, you know, a little bit nervous about tomorrow, but mostly excited. Uh, I just want to make sure I can nail these interviews without any fuel in the morning <laughs> except one little coffee when I wake up. And then after I finish the interviews, uh, guess what? I'm going under the knife, y'all. So... Here goes nothing. I'm off to sleep. Gonna go count some sheep. All right, I'm about to head over to Doceri Clinics and see Dr. Harry and Dr. Amy. Just waking up over here was a little bit tough. Sleep was not optimum last night, uh, probably just due to travel. And also, I couldn't get my room cold enough. I could only get my room down to about 65, and then I figured out... If I got up and opened the window, uh, it's 20 degrees out, <laughs> or maybe less last night, so that helped a bit. Uh, but um, got up and had my Bulletproof coffee, worked with my Power Medic cold laser on some sore spots and kind of prepping some spots that are going to be worked on today. Ran the human charger for the time change. What else have I done? Uh, a little meditation, of course, my 20-minute Vedic meditation. And while I do that... I'm on the Vital Reaction Hydrogen Inhaler. So I'm about as prepared as I can be. I've got my computer, about to pack up all my gear. And I've got to say I'm a little bit nervous. I'm, it's, I haven't been an, uh, under anesthesia but one time in my life, and it was a long time ago. So it's kind of weird to think I'm going to be put to sleep and carved up and poked and prodded. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how this goes. But I know that I'm in good hands. This is a really, really high-end clinic, and these guys have been doing this stuff forever, so it's all good consciously. But, you know, you can't help but get a little bit nervous. So I'm going to go outside in this nice cold air, do some breath work, get really oxygenated and get awake, and then I'm going to proceed to uh, jump into this interview. But I feel like brain dead right now because <laughs> I'm super tired. So I'm going to get outside get cold, get air, and uh, I think the next thing we'll be doing pretty soon here is the actual interview and then post-procedure check-in. So, wish me luck. So, I'm over here at Docere Clinics. Uh, it looks very professional. I feel really safe. I feel like I'm in good hands. I've checked in. I've signed a bunch of waivers that basically probably say that if I 
leave the earth. They're not responsible. <laughs> you know how medical procedures go. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, this place is crazy legit. Beautiful facility. I got a tour of their new offices uh, from Dr. Harry. And uh, now I'm going to sit down and interview him. Then I'm going to interview Dr. Amy. And then we're going to do the procedure. So here we go with Dr. Harry Adelson. Welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast, Harry. Thank you, Luke. It's been nice getting to know you over the last few uh, months or so, and welcome to Park City. Thanks, dude. I'm having a great time. Yeah, so I landed yeah. yesterday in Salt Lake City, came out here to Park City, and went to a hot springs nearby mm-hmm. and had the most amazing time rolling around in the mud, covering myself in mud, mm-hmm. jumping in the snow. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I'm having the best time because I wanted to get in some fun before I came in here under the knife. So mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous about today. So this will be like the first interview that I'm nervous about for reasons other than the fact that it's just an interview and I don't want to screw it up. Darling, don't be nervous. But here we are. So why'd you end up in Park City? Well, you just named it. It's, it's awesome here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, how many places in the world are you in a ski resort in the mountains and 30 minutes from a major airport? That's true. I can't think of one. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's phenomenal here. So it's, I'm originally from Aspen, but that's kind of a dinky airport. It's a terrible airport. It's the highest plane crashes in the world or something. Are you oh, serious? Yeah. Don't tell me that. Oh, That's yeah. where I fly oh, into. Yeah. I've been flying in and out yeah. of Aspen since I was a little kid. You know, Park City is one of the United States' best kept secrets. I'm sold. Well, not anymore, maybe after yeah. everyone hears and sees this. I thought you might have based your practice here because so many people hurt themselves skiing and snowboarding that it's like a cash cow because everyone gets so jacked up on the mountains here. Yeah. Well, there, it's um, it's really just a suburb of Salt Lake City. Right. And p- people are we so many of our patients fly in from out of state we're literally 30 minutes from the airport right so it's a terrific place to live well i'm glad it's here i mean most of the doctor visits that i have are like right down the street in beverly hills and you're still in the city and it's not chill at all so let's jump right in what the hell are stem cells our body is comprised of many cell types and in every structure in our body we have stem cells so all our organs all our joints, all our musculoskeletal tissues, every organ in the body that contains cells contains stem cells. And every cell type plays a role. Muscle cells are for moving your skeleton. Ligament cells are for stabilizing the skeleton. Stem cells, their job is to maintain the health of their microenvironment. What makes a stem cell a stem cell is they have the ability to do two things. One is they have the ability to turn into new versions of themselves or turn into versions of target tissue cells. The second thing they can do is they release proteins. They're able to identify, they're able to communicate with cells around them, and they're able to identify when cells have been injured and are damaged and are dying, and they release protein to signal those cells to heal themselves. So whenever you have tissue healing after injury, of any type of injury, that is a stem cell-mediated event. Interesting. They go on little rescue missions, essentially. Precisely, precisely. Okay, awesome. They're your body's own natural drugstore. And we're going to talk about the efficacy of working with stem cells, Mm -hmm. but I've always been curious why the FDA is so paranoid about this division of medicine. Is it because that they can't patent stem cells and make a drug out of it? Like, what's the deal? Well, there's the role of the FDA, and then there's the role of the pharmaceutical industries. And you would think the two would be completely separate. Unfortunately, you know, (laughs) theoretically they are, and then in practice they may or may not be. But the thing that's unfortunate is the FDA is set up to regulate food and drugs, and that's what they're set up for. And they have very distinct pathways to do that. 
stem cell medicine does not fall into either of those categories. It's neither a drug nor is it a food. However, just because there's really no other body to regulate cellular medicine, the FDA sort of taken charge of cell medicine because there's really no other group that would be appropriate for it. Oh, uh, it's kind of a gray zone then. It absolutely is because... Like smart drugs are like that too. They're not legal, but they're not illegal. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a surgical procedure. Yeah. So, you know, you're coming to me, we're doing a liposuction. We're isolating <laughs> the stem cells from your fat. We're doing a bone marrow aspiration. We're sitting here in scrubs, by the way, those of you listening. We're in my surgical suite in I, Park I, City. If, in case I forget this question, so we're getting stem cells out of my fat. Can you do lipo from my gut? and can, Give me a six pack while you're at it. Absolutely. I take requests. <laughs> sure. And he hasn't eaten, by the way. So he's, yeah. uh, no, he, I'm he's go- being sedated. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm a little yeah. bit goofy due to that right. fact. What are the risks involved in, you know, somebody getting a procedure done? Well, the, main, the main risks are anything that go along with any medical procedure because there's a liposuction involved. Very safe. You know, there are some risks involved, not super dangerous ones. I mean, if done improperly, there's potential for real risk. Bone right. marrow aspiration, way scarier than it sounds way more intimidating than it actually is, even painful. Very simple to do. I've done over 4,000 of them. I feel safe. I'm in good hands Uh, then. Yeah. Apart from that, I mean, the biggest risk, anytime you put a needle in somebody, there's always a risk of infection, which is a very serious risk. Uh, As long as you follow the rules, that risk is infinitesimally small. And so we just follow the rules. So I'm gathering that tomorrow while I'm still full of holes, it's a bad idea to go jump in a bacteria-laden hot spring. Correct. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> what are the conditions that are most often improved by stem cell therapy in your you know, branch of sure. it? Sure. So stem cell medicine is being used for just about every type of illness imaginable. Here at Doceri Clinics, we only treat one thing. We treat musculoskeletal pain, chronic musculoskeletal pain conditions. So about half our practice is spine, treat a lot of low back pain, neck pain, post-whiplash syndrome, dehydrated discs, which is what we're going to treat with you. Uh, and then the other half of the practice is treating peripheral joints. So hips, knees, ankle, foot, shoulders, elbows, hand, wrist, and that the most common thing that we treat is arthritis, which is just garden variety osteoarthritis, degeneration of the moving parts. And you're obviously having a lot of success with that because we just went upstairs to your upgraded mm-hmm. office, which is, what did you say, two and a half times the yeah. size of this one? Yeah, And this right. is a huge clinic. So yeah. yeah, we're moving up to the third floor. You wouldn't be getting repeat business if it wasn't yeah. working, I take it, you know? Well, Do you get a lot of business, by the way, just from referrals? Someone said, oh, I had a bum knee and I went and saw Dr. Harry and I'm good now. And well, then what's interesting about our practice and the reason I'm here doing this podcast with you, Luke, is because we actually don't do a lot of repeat business. We treat people once or twice and then I get to wait for them to injure themselves again or I just you know, ask them to refer their friends to me, which is really, I mean, I'm dependent on a constant flow of new people because... We do one, two, sometimes three treatments, and then either I didn't help them at all, or the job's done, and they're better. So, right. we, you know, yes, we get a lot In of word of mouth sense, referrals. In one sense, it's kind of a bad business model when it really what you're is. doing works. I know. I know. In my <laughs> you can't, business... You can't, it's not like therapy where you're like, hey, you still right. haven't gotten to the root of all your childhood no. issues. You better come no. every week for the next 10 years. Well, and my business advisors are constantly saying, hey, you got to sell them on a package. And a lot of places do that. They do packages. And... 
I hate that stuff. I mean, my goal is to see somebody as few times as possible, get them as much benefit as I can in as few encounters as possible. I love that because I don't want to go under five times. I hope we can in, bang in, it all out. In classical Chinese medicine, the belief was a busy doctor meant he was a bad doctor. <laughs> That's great. I've never heard that. Totally makes sense, though. So... With the stuff that I'm having done, for example, on the, specifically the hip and the spine, which those of you listening, if you've heard my show a number of times, I'm always whining about my back because it's, it's like I'm so healthy, I feel so good, but my back has just been a constant right. issue. But I'm wondering in terms of aftercare and things like that, if you're sending these stem cells in and they're going, hey, there's something wrong here, we're going to fix it, what do you recommend or how necessary is body work or physical therapy or you know, working on your mobility, say once you get the stem cells into a hip joint or into the spine, it seems that with me, I just have structural issues that are jacked up, which I've been working on, you know, honestly, not with that much dedication and commitment, but now I'm going to, now that I'm like spending some money, I got some skin in the game. I'm like, called my brother who's a mobility expert. I'm like, when I get back, we're going full on because I don't want to waste this treatment. But what happens if somebody just does not change their lifestyle and their movement and work on their mobility and just get stem cell treatment thinking that's well the they're going to the get short term results we're going to help them in the short term and they'll you know it'll work for a year or two and then probably it's going to come back you know i am a naturopath i'm a naturopathic doctor i'm not an md so my the foundation of my training is in holistic medicine it's the four pillars of health which is diet exercise sleep and a balanced emotional life so absolutely those things must be addressed but in your case for instance you know we have to have those four pillars of health, but I printed out your MRI. And so those of you watching can see this. Uh, those of you who are listening, I'll describe what I'm looking at. But this is a T2-weighted uh, sagittal view of your low back. You know, what you see is I'm looking at your intervertebral discs. And the upper ones are white, 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 white. And what that means is they contain moisture. They're hydrated. And then the L4, L5, and L5S1, the two lowest levels are pretty much black, and then the next one is gray. So what that means is those discs are dehydrated. They're also misshapen and all smashed. Like yeah. the ones above, they're those four above, have a nice yeah. little sort of bubble right. shape to them. And they're, they're those lower ones look jacked right. up. So all of the diet, exercise, sleep, and balanced emotional life in the world isn't going to do anything to hydrate those discs. And that's right. where we come in. And neither is yoga because I've been doing yoga right. for 20 years right. and my it right. has not improved my back yeah. at all. Yoga is going to strengthen your core. It's going to improve your posture. It's going to improve the health of the connective tissue. It's going to do all sorts of things. But in this type of case, that's where you really need somebody like me. Yeah. I think the root of my troubles, and I forget if I mentioned this to you on the phone, but when I was in my early 20s, I was pretty wild. And uh, I used to like to go hiking, which is great, would be healthy, but I used to get drunk and go hiking. <laughs> and so I years later remembered, oh, yeah, that one time I was hiking drunk up in the Angeles Crest Forest outside of LA. And I did everything drunk, to be honest, but hiking just happened to be one of those activities. And I came home that day and I couldn't walk. Like one of my leg, my right leg was up higher than the other one. I developed like instantaneous as polio and so rather than going to a doctor because i was like screw doctors man i'm rock and roll i don't go to the hospital i had my building manager who incidentally looked exactly like steven seagal like twin and i had him take a rubber mallet so he had an enormous ass <laughs> yeah. i had him take a rubber mallet and smash the side of my hip to like knock it back into place and that was my you know my physical therapy and so luke you're a real rock and roller yeah i was a real dumbass and so 
after that began this increasing hip pain and then that kind of pulled on the lower back and I lost mobility. I literally don't have a hip. It doesn't move. I have no ability to move the hip like a joint should function. So yeah, it's not cute. Mm -hmm. So aside from this type of, you know, pain management and repairing joints and arthritis and all of this stuff, I'm curious about some of the other uses of stem cells, like does anyone ever get stem cells shot into their brain? You know, as I said earlier, the stem cell therapy is being used for pretty much the entire spectrum of medical conditions, for neurodegenerative diseases, for autoimmune diseases, for pulmonary, for cardiac. I mean, if you can think of a condition, there is somebody who is currently researching it with stem cell therapy. As far as injections into the brain, there's three ways to get stem cells into the brain. So first of all, let me just talk about, we talked a little bit about stem cells and then this two actions of stem cells. One is this ability to differentiate into target tissue cells that have been injured. But really what we think is the much more important of the actions, and this is going to come up later when we talk about exosomes, is the stem cell's ability to communicate with other cells through these signaling proteins. We call that a paracrine effect. So cell-to-cell -cell communication is paracrine communication. And the way they communicate is with these growth factors. The cells themselves are not able to permeate the blood-brain barrier. The growth factors, however, are able to permeate the blood-brain barrier. Are the other cells not able to because they're too big? They're too big, yeah. Oh, they're much larger. If you look under a microscope, you see the platelets are these tiny little things, and then red blood cells are a bit bigger than that, and then white blood cells are quite a bit bigger than the red blood cells, and then the stem cells are enormous compared to oh, the white blood cells. Oh, interesting, okay. And the blood-brain barrier is just big enough to, you know, it, it's too large for them to travel across. So the three ways to get stem cells to the brain and growth factors are... If you're giving the stem cells intravenously, first you preload with a medication called mannitol, which is just a sugar. It's used in the emergency room for people who have intracranial pressure. So they've had a traumatic brain injury and they have swelling in their skull, in their brain. And you give the mannitol and it temporarily renders permeable the blood-brain barrier. Oh, wow. So that's one way to get stem cells and growth factors to the brain. The second way is you inject directly into the cerebrospinal fluid. An, oh, uh, uh, an, an intra, it's called an intrathecal injection. I'm not a huge fan of the intrathecal injection. There's some definite risk involved, and there's really not a lot of data showing that there's any advantage to doing that over giving it intravenously. And then the third way, which I think shows tremendous promise, is an injection directly into the brain through what's called an Omaya reservoir. So in this case, a neural surgeon drills a small hole in your skull, they place a needle directly into your brain, and they inject the stem cells as such. Now, this is not something that I do here. This is not something I ever plan to do. However, there is a doctor in Los Angeles. His name is Chris Duma. He's part of the network that I belong to, the Cell Surgical Network. He is a neural surgeon. He is treating advanced Alzheimer's and cognitive disorders such as, you know, I had a stroke a year ago, which is a big part of my story, but I have a little trouble with word recall. I had a bacterial infection in my heart. I heard uh, that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, dementia, that's the word I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty scary when you can't remember the word dementia. <laughs> Welcome to but, my yeah, life, dude. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that's why I take a lot of nootropics. Yeah, I need seriously. a lot of help. Yeah. Seriously. So he is actually, he has a small number of patients that he is showing that he is actually reversing dementia and Alzheimer's. Oh man, that's so cool. I actually know someone with Alzheimer's. I'm going to share that information. Yeah, Chris Duma. Cool. We'll put all this stuff, obviously, mm -hmm. you guys, in the show notes. There's going to be a lot of resources mentioned and you'll want them later. So 
keeping with the head then, I want to just cover a couple more things really quick. Anyone getting any results with hearing loss, tinnitus, that kind of situation? I've had a small number of people I've treated for musculoskeletal conditions. And we always give a little bit of stem cells intravenously. And I've had a couple of people tell me it has helped with their tinnitus, but I've never treated tinnitus directly. So right. I have no experience. Oh, with I it. hope I get that side effect because I have it right now <laughs> oh. in my left ear. It sounds like a party going oh off gosh. in the other room, <laughs> like oh a really loud whistle sound. <laughs> it's been driving me nuts. And then how about eyes? I've heard some stuff about macular degeneration being assisted with stem cells. I know this isn't your area yeah. of expertise, but just, you know, do you hear around the campfire of you and your fellow you bet. stem yeah. cell experts? This, it, the group that I belong to is called the Cell Surgical Network and their website is stemcellrevolution.com. It's a big network of doctors who treat all sorts of different things. And yes, there are uh, docs in that network treating macular degeneration, along with other ocular disorders. When they do that, do you know if they shoot it like right into the eyeball? I think most people are doing it intravenously. There are oh, a small okay. number of eye surgeons that are injecting directly into the eye. If you have that done, I would strongly recommend going to an eye surgeon. Right. Yeah, yeah that sounds scary. But yeah. my, I, the reason I ask is my dad has it and my vision's gotten weird lately, so... I'm always looking for cutting edge solutions on that. And then you mentioned doing the intravenous delivery. A, is that something that I'm going to do today? Oh, absolutely. We, whenever we give somebody stem cells, we always give a little bit intravenous because why not? I used to only do it when it was indicated or if people requested it, specifically if they requested it without me offering it. But I had a friend of mine who's another stem cell doctor. He said, man, you should just do it with everybody because, you know, what harm is it going to do? And it might do some good. So I always tell people about it and offer it to them. And pretty much everyone accepts it. One person didn't. But Have you gotten results in terms of immune system modulation from doing the intravenous? We've had people a... tell us all sorts of interesting things. Again, I really focus my practice on the treatment of musculoskeletal pain. Right. I don't step outside of my area. Right. Um, so if somebody but, benefits from an IV that you do, and it's like, wow, my tinnitus went away or whatever, right. my vision's better, or whatever, it's just kind of a fringe benefit. Yeah, not, exactly. It's not your intended exactly, goal. Exactly, exactly. We've had cool. a couple of people with, for instance, exercise-induced asthma who've quit using their ex inhaler. But again, you know, fringe benefit. Yeah. That's, how, that's how I'm going to refer to it from now on. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about a company that's very cool that I recently discovered called Health IQ. They're a life insurance company that helps you save money on your life insurance policy based on your health IQ. So based on your lifestyle, diet, and all of that. So imagine if you saved money on your car insurance because you're a good driver, right? As you should. Well, Health IQ saves you money in your life insurance for living a health conscious lifestyle. It's really dope. So to check it out and to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com forward slash lifestylist. You can save yourself a substantial amount of money. In fact, 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance policies. Really cool stuff. I want to support these guys. They are innovators. They're doing something very cool for the community. So go to healthiq.com forward slash lifestylist to see if you qualify. What's the difference between the fat-derived cells and the bone marrow cells? Seems to be a lot of debate around which one's better. I know you do both because you're just like, cool. Right. But. Well, the thing is that, you know, you see a lot of information on the internet and you see a lot of mudslinging. You see a lot of, you know, people who do bone marrow saying that fat is, you know, unproven. And then you see people doing fat saying bone marrow is barbaric. And, you know, the fact is my experience from listening to these arguments go both directions is that the guys who like doing bone marrow 
tend to tear fat apart. And they tend to be the guys who have no experience with fat. Similarly, the people who do fat like doing fat, and they don't want to do bone marrow. And they are the ones who tend to you know, tear bone marrow apart. I started out doing bone marrow. What I, bone do you get it out of? The iliac crest. So the big flat bones in your pelvis, gotcha. the frisbee-shaped bones in your pelvis. Before I forget, when you do mine, can you do it on the left bone? Sure. <laughs> My like, right side sure. is so jacked up. I usually do the left anyway. You so, do? Okay. Yeah. Makes me paranoid. Carry on. Sure. I started out with bone marrow, and then I started using fat. When I started using fat, what I did is for a period of four months, I would offer people, would you rather do bone marrow, or would you rather do fat-derived stem cells suspended in platelet-rich plasma? And what I did is I then followed up with these people. Six months after their treatment, I called them and saw, you know, asked how they were doing. Six months and one year. And what I found was the people with whom I did bone marrow, as had been my experience the years leading up to that, had consistently good results at about a 10% non-responder rate. The people I did fat suspended in PRP, when it worked, it worked better than bone marrow. But now my non-responder rate was up around 30%. And I don't know why that is. I mean, that could have been something I was doing wrong. I really don't know. But that was just my experience. So then I started combining the two and I started calling people at six months and one year after. And what I found was when I did the two together, I seemed to get the consistency of the bone marrow with the augmented improvement of the fat. And I have this data published in the Pain Practitioner, which is the journal of the American Academy of Pain Management. It's on my website. Wow, awesome. And you mentioned PRP or platelet-rich plasma. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to our people what that is? Sure. Platelet-rich plasma is another regenerative modality. So instead of using bone marrow or instead of using adipose-derived stem cells, we're just doing a blood draw, putting the, the blood in a centrifuge. The red blood cells all go to the bottom because they contain iron. They're the heaviest. The serum goes to the top. That's the lightest. And then in the middle is called a buffy coat. And in the buffy coat, you find the white blood cells, but you also find the platelets. Platelets are what signal your own stem cells to activate. Oh, and wow. for years, from 2006 to 2010, my practice was 100% platelet-rich plasma. Then bone marrow came along. I started doing bone marrow, and it worked so much better than PRP. I transitioned over to that. But and now you're still including, in certain cases, PRP mixed in with the okay, Occasionally, I do. I work with Dr. Keelan, who you're going to interview next, and you're yeah. also going to be treated by today. The advantage of PRP when you're using adipose-derived stem cells is you can isolate it so there's no red blood cells. So when you, Especially when you're doing the cosmetic injections, you don't look like you went through the windshield of a car. Ah, so it's, right, it's, it's right. actually better to use PRP. Yeah, it's just a shout-out for PRP. I've had that on my back and hip, uh -huh. and it didn't help at all. But I had it, uh, I think, two treatments in my wrist and elbows because I was getting like weird computer carpal tunnel-y kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And within three months, it went away and never came back. And I still use computers like Great. a madman. So I'm awesome. I'm for it for certain things for sure, but yeah, the back yeah. it didn't it didn't really touch. So what's the deal with the different types of derivatives of stem cells? There's uh, umbilical ones. There's fetal cells. I think a lot of people are confused, perhaps about you know if we're harvesting aborted babies and just weird you know Frankensteinian kind of sure. stuff there. So where do they come from if they don't come from your own body? Sure. And how are the U.S. laws currently sure. with that whole thing? Because I know there's a lot of stem cell tourism in places right. like Panama where right. they can do weird stuff that you can't do here. Right. So just a little vocabulary lesson. So we've yeah. got autologous stem cells, okay. which is stem cell. The word autologous means donor and recipient are the same person. Got it. So autologous stem cells are stem cells from your body. So that's using your bone marrow and using your fat. 
allogenic stem cells are when it's from the donor and recipient or different people. So that's when you're into okay. the umbilical cord, the placental, the amniotic membrane, that sort of thing. Okay. So currently, there are a number of labs in the United States that produce products both with stem cells and without stem cells. Essentially, what they do is they recruit these women who are scheduled to undergo normal, healthy births. They screen them for every imaginable communicable disease and genetic disorder. If they pass all of that, they then have a rep present at the birth. The woman gives birth to the baby, has her baby normally, and the rep takes possession of the placenta and the umbilical cord. They buy it from her. Wow. Then they I wonder how much they get for it. I've, I always want I mean, to ask that. It must be a that. decent amount of money if I, a woman's like willing to even go through with yeah. setting that up. Yeah, I've never know? asked. I always to ask, and I always forget yeah. when I talk to those guys. Yeah, I wonder if the kid gets a cut later on, goes yeah, to the college right. fund. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Their first car, you know. Right. Here's your BMW. That was, you know, anyway. So then they screen those tissues for every imaginable disease and genetic disorder. And if they pass all of that, they freeze the stem cells, they isolate the stem cells and freeze them. They also take the tissues, the, the acellular tissues, the part like the, for instance, the Wharton's jelly. Wharton's jelly is the insulative layer of the umbilical cord that's made up of human-derived hyaluronic acid and chondroitin sulfate. Ooh, that's good stuff for joints. Precisely, right? precisely. Mm, nice. They freeze that stuff. They sell that to guys like me, and then I have the option of using them with guys like you. Are we going to do that? We're going to use exosomes today. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, which we're going to mm -hmm. get into. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So what's the deal with the tourism factor? Why do people spend time and money going to Mexico, Germany, right. Panama, etc.? Is it that they can culture and multiply right. the stem cells and yeah. make more of them? Is that the... Right. So the big thing that you can do internationally that you can't do here is you can culture expand these cord blood cells. So you take these umbilical cord cells and you put them in a lab and you grow them like crazy. And now you have, you know, instead of like the vials that the lab here in Utah sells me, it's 1 million cells in a vial. Well, you know, it's still pretty expensive. Well, for the same cost, you could have 100 million. So that's, is, that's the big advantage. Is, is more better? Theoretically, yes. We don't know with complete certainty, but there are a small number of studies where they do dose-dependent um, treatments. So, you know, one person will get 1 million stem cells, the next person will get 10 million, the next person will get 100 million, and it does seem that more is better. Now, exosomes might yeah, let's turn cover this around. That. Let's cover that. So, yeah. the, the exosomes are the new kid on the block. This is something that I'm just starting to use. I've heard about them for a couple of years. Yeah. Even though I'm an early adopter, I'm, you know, I try to stay on the cutting edge and off the bleeding edge. I like that. So, <laughs> off the bleeding yeah. edge. Yeah, that's so, I mean, I've known about exosomes for a couple of years now, and I've just waited for enough of my friends to do it and, you know, that I feel comfortable doing it myself. So, right. what exosomes are, I and mean, it's really fascinating. So, you have a stem cell, right? And then if you look at, you know, remem remember your biology 101 textbook, and it shows a cell, and it shows the nucleus, and it shows the Golgi apparatus, and it shows the mitochondria, and it shows, you know, all the different organelles of the cell. Well, one of the items, one of the organelles are what are called exosomes, and they're these little vesicles. It's these little bags of stuff. And when I was in school in the 90s, we used to think that it was their, how they would excrete metabolic waste. 
We didn't know what they were. We, I, the people had seen them, but they thought that was how a cell released its waste. Well, actually, that's how a cell releases these signaling proteins that then trigger the paracrine effect. That's That tells the cells to heal, to go into a healing mode. So what? So the way that uh, exosomes are made is you take placental stem cells, you culture expand them, then you put them in a stressful environment. So now the cells think their host is under duress and they start creating these exosomes, they start manufacturing the exosomes in order to help their host and then they lyse the cell, they destroy the cell and harvest the exosome. Now you have arguably all the benefit of culture expanded stem cells without the stem cells. So now you've just sort of bypassed that whole regulation about in the United right. States, we're not allowed to culture expand culture. or placental cells. Well, now you've culture expanded them, but then you've destroyed them. I so like it, it. we're sort of one step ahead. The FDA. That's punk rock. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, there, there's <laughs> not really any ruling on this because it's so new. I just, I'm still like a teenager. I hate rules, you know? I know. <laughs> like, and I, but it's about what works. I mean, that's the end goal is like mm -hmm. the patient. You want it to be right. efficient, you know? So, so we're, I've are these exosomes? Is that what they Exosomes. Exosomes. E-exos. Are they small enough to pass the blood-brain barrier yes, if they you do are. them in an IV? Yes, they are. Ah. Yeah. So, so just doing okay. an IV, theoretically, I mean, I have no experience with it yet. I'm just starting to use it. But I spoke with Doug Spiel, who's the president and one of the scientific directors of Chimera Labs, who is the number one manufacturer of exosomes. And he's using it for all sorts of things. And he's getting, you know, according to him, I mean, I, I've yet to visit him. But I mean, I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far. Oh, that's awesome. Especially if it's going to help people not have to take the extra time and expense to travel out of this country right. to get those right. same results, you know? Right. So I remember when I was looking into a treatment in, uh, I think it's in a clinic in Guadalajara, Mexico, I forget the name, but you go and take one trip down and then they extract your stem cells. Then you go back home for a couple of weeks, they culture them and multiply them. Then you have to go back right, down. Right. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot of work. So it sounds like this could eliminate some of that right, kind right. of hassle to the end user. And how does stem cell storage work? If, you know, say, you know, I have a baby and I have those stem cells extracted from the umbilical cord. Can I have those frozen until the kid is 65 and starts to get a bad hip and then use wow. those really nice young stem well, cells? Well, it depends on how things are when the kid's 65. <laughs> if right the now, world even exists still. Yeah, yeah precisely. <laughs> yeah. Currently, if you saved your child's umbilical cord cells, you would only be able to take them out and use them if it was for a very specific condition. Usually it's childhood cancers. Uh, there's a very short list of conditions that you can take them out of a stem cell bank for that purpose, oh. unfortunately. In other countries, can you bank them and go use them for whatever you want, whenever you want? It depends on the country. Right, okay, sure. so each country has its own little set of rules. And are younger stem cells better? Like if I were to have mine extracted today, store them at 47, and then I'm having issues when I'm 95, are those going to be, quote unquote, stronger and more effective than getting them taken out when I'm 85? Yeah, you bet. There's still a lot we don't know. And what we really don't know is the risks associated with using allographic cells with using somebody else's cells, the long-term effects. However, yes, I mean, for the short-term, for the paracrine effect, for the cell's ability to, to harness the healing power of the cells they come into contact with, yes, absolutely, they're far more robust. Interesting. And then what about 
cross species stem cells. I remember when I when I first found out about stem cells, I was working with a health coach at the time, and human stem cell treatment, this is going back, God, 10, 15 years maybe? Yeah, maybe like 15 years. And I'd never heard of getting them from your own body or any of that, maybe it existed, it was off my radar. But he was recommending that I go to this clinic in Tijuana. It sounds suspect already. And I told my parents, they were like, uh, no, <laughs> bad idea. But I believe it was either sheep or goat or pig, one of those animals that was sort of biocompatible with you know, human DNA or whatever, and that you would get stem cells from the said sheep or whatever. Does that a, still a practice? And is there any? I don't. I don't know that it is still a practice. I, I mean, know, have you I, heard I know, of that? I know I've heard of it for some cosmetic products oh, where it's okay. a cream and it's got sheep stem cells or apple stem cells or something like that. But not injecting them. Um, and... No, I don't think it's regularly done. However, right. I mean, theoretically, it works because what's interesting about stem cells is they modulate the immune system to an extent that they actually suppress it, like an inflammatory reaction. So they they are actually invisible to your own immune system. Oh. One of wow. the main indications so like one, one of the so best they're, they're kind of cloaked they just slip right. through and one of the conditions thing. that stem cell therapy has been studied very closely is organ transplant so when you get an organ transplant the biggest risk is that you're going to reject that organ well if you administer stem cells at the time of the organ transplant it can suppress your body's urge to reject it Interesting. Right. So theoretically, I mean, I have seen scientific papers using human stem cells in mice, and there seems to be no problem. I know it's never been studied formally the other way around, using mice stem cells in humans. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds draconian and scary, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's like we if, were talking about this before we recorded, and I've gotten so much feedback from people what, as I come out here, like, oh, be careful. This sounds dangerous. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, getting, you know, heart surgery like you had or hip doing, replacement yeah hip replacement <laughs> chemo i mean the other interventions that come later after issues like i have go unresolved for a period of time are way more radical way more extreme way more dangerous to me this area of medicine seems i mean i'll admit i'm a little nervous about today <laughs> i'm breathing through it but this seems way less invasive generally than so many of the other interventions once something has become debilitating or you're dealing with, you know, chronic disease or degenerative disease, things that are going to kill you soon, you know? So I feel really good about it. So in terms of what we're going to do today, give me some, I don't, I, I want to ask this, but I don't want to ask this. Like, I kind of just want to go under anesthesia and have no idea what the hell any of Which you Which is exactly what's going to happen. Any of you are doing, <laughs> but for the sake of the audience, mm -hmm. you guys, I'm going to take one for the team. And I want to find out the mechanics of like what you're, Amy's mm -hmm. going to do something sure. different, but mm -hmm. what you're going to sure. do. Like when I fall asleep, I right. go into, what do you, would you call it the basement? Yeah. When so, I so, so you're going to, first thing you're going to do is you're going to lay on the table. Okay. We're going to have you change into, you know, our outfit. Yeah. Then we're going to have you on the table. You're going to get a tiny little needle in your hand. And then our anesthesiologist, who's going to be here shortly, is going to say, all righty, Luke, count backwards from 100, and you're going to get to about 96, and you're going to wake up two hours later, and we're going to be done. That's going to be your perception. Right. My perception is you're going to get to about 96, and then you're going to be asleep. Then I'm going to do a liposuction. I'm going to take fat from your love handles. Ah, damn. Not the gut, huh? I like to take it from the love <laughs> handles because if we take it from the gut, you get all the swelling afterwards, and it oh, travels okay. down into your scrotum. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want that. Nobody likes that. Yeah. And there's no, probably a couple of guys in Berlin who likes that. But, <laughs> but mo most people don't like Swollen that. Swollen scrotum does not yeah. sound like what yeah. is on the menu for yeah. me. Okay. Right. I'm, okay. 
So love handles. I got yeah. those. I got a little spare tire. What do they call that? Uh, muffin top. I got yeah. a little muffin top. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. The medical term is jelly donut. Oh, yeah. 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 So first we're going to do that because okay. the fat takes longer to process. I see. So we take the fat first. Then we take the bone. Uh, and that's, again, the big frisbee-shaped bone in your hip, your right. ilium. And, and how that, do you get that out? I'm picturing like you get out like a drill that you get at Home Depot. <laughs> I used to use a drill. Now I use a bone needle and a, what we call a mallet, a dental mallet. Okay. Tap it in. Okay. Again, sounds and looks a lot scarier than it actually is. Yeah. And I use x-ray guidance so I can see exactly where I'm going. There's no question. It's 100% accuracy. Yeah, you're not like hit it with the mallet clunk and you're like, yeah, oops, let's do that a few yeah. more times until we hit right. that marrow. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've done over 4,000 of these, never had a problem. Awesome. Okay. Uh, then we've got a little break in the action while we prepare the cells, the fat cells. And I'm just in la-la land. But you're asleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. you're good. Yeah, okay. You're good. And once then I start prepping for, we do the disc injection first, that that is the most, uh, has to be perfectly sterile. The intervertebral disc is the least vascularized tissue in the body, so it has to be perfectly sterile. First, we'll inject the discs. Then I'm going to do epidural injections. Those are stem cell epidurals, not steroid epidurals. The reason for that is whenever you have disc pathology, frequently where the disc interfaces with the spinal cord or the exiting nerve roots, is there's either adhesions or there's you know prior chemical burns. I mean, there's problems there as well. Then we're going to do the ligaments of your back around the facet joints, around your SI ligament, your iliolumbar ligament. Uh, then we're going to treat your hips, especially that your right hip, which is your problem hip. And I'll have to, your chart's in the other room. I can't remember if we talked about anything else. I, th I think that might be it. Um, left shoulder. Right. Yeah. You're, that's sure. Which okay. I don't know what the hell that is. It just burns a lot. Oh, we're going to, yeah, we'll look at it with the ultrasound. We'll see okay. if there's anything wrong. Cool. Yeah. And then while I'm still out, you step out, grab some lunch or whatever, and then Amy does her thing, which I'm going to talk right, to her about right. momentarily. Yeah. Okay. Amy works her magic. Interesting. And then what can I expect as I leave here later today and walk across the street to my 19 hotel? out of 20 people. Okay, so first we'll just talk about without the discs. So if yeah. we were just doing the epidurals in your back and your hip, you just, you know, might be a little stiff and sore. You definitely can feel where I took the fat. You can feel where I took the bone marrow, but it's just, you know, compared to what you're already going through, it's just mildly uncomfortable. It's no big cool. deal. I'm already used to being uncomfortable. Whenever we inject discs, 19 out of 20 people are fine. They're a little bit stiff. No big deal. One out of 20 people, wax them for about okay. three days. Okay. Yeah. It's, you know. I don't think I'll be one of those. I doubt you will be. Usually yeah. it's the real young guys. Usually it's the guys with really thick annular capsules. And those guys, if that happens, it doesn't negatively impact their outcome. It doesn't mean they're going to have a poor outcome. It just means it really sucks for them to go through. Right. But right. in my case, it would just mean I would have to hang out in lovely Park City That's for right. a couple of days and watch yeah. Netflix. That's right. Okay, cool, man. Well, I'm excited. Thank you for the information and the you interview, bet. man. You it's bet, great Luke. to meet you. Yeah, and I feel like I'm in very good hands. You seem very competent. Well, and, we love what we do. You can you know, see it with the, on the faces of all my staff. Like, yeah. We actually enjoy what we do. I can tell that. Uh, yeah, I can yeah. tell by your enthusiasm. And yeah. I enjoy learning from people like you. So thank you so much. You uh, you in closing... Since I've learned so much from you, as has our audience, who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your work in general or just your life that we might go to to learn more? Oh, well, all three of them are people who don't have any content on the internet or I mean, <laughs> just people in my life. Okay, so. well, let, give them a shout out. Maybe they'll hear this. Uh, well, the late Rick Marinelli, who I'm very sorry to say passed away from throat cancer who was my mentor. Terrific man. I'm very sorry that he's no longer with us. I wish he could see everything we're doing now. Certainly my dad, 
Warren Adelson of Adelson Galleries. And I would have to say my brother, Adam of Adam Adelson of Adelson Galleries of Boston. Awesome, man. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's funny. Sometimes people are like, Gandhi, Jesus, Martin Luther King, yeah, Eckhart Tolle, you know, like a spiritual teacher thing. But you'd be surprised how many yeah. people is like immediate family and people yeah, that they yeah. just love. And have, yeah, have and then certainly I mean, my wife, Indira, and our two beautiful girls, Beatrice Bodicea and Vicky Wynn. I mean, those are my three biggest teachers. I suppose those are my three biggest teachers right now. I are, bet. Are those three. I've got two, a two-year-old and a four-month-old and a beautiful wife wow. taking care of them. So awesome, it's, man. I just love it. I just awesome. love it. All right. Well, thank yeah. you for everything. In closing, where can people find you, social media, websites, any links you Easiest want to Easiest is the website, docereclinics.com, D-O-C-E-R-E clinics, one word, docereclinics.com. We're on Facebook. We're on other stuff too, but the website's the go-to place. Awesome. Perfect, man. Well, yeah. thanks again. All and, right. Uh, and I'll see you on the other side. That's right. So that wraps up a highly informative interview with Dr. Harry Adelson. Next, I sat down with Dr. Amy Killen to discuss her work in beauty and sexual optimization. And I asked her exactly what was about to go down in the operating room and what I was to expect from having my wedding tackle injected full of stem cells. Now, once the interview concludes here with Dr. Amy, you're going to get the real-time report of each step in the journey from the time I walked out of surgery all the way until I landed back here in LA. Here's what we discussed with Dr. Amy right before I went under the knife. What is PRP therapy and how is it different from stem cells? What happens when you inject stem cells into a man's unit and why the hell was I going to have her do it to me? The fact that 40% of women suffer some form of sexual dysfunction. The O-shot and why she injects stem cells and PRP into vaginas and why she has not administered that treatment to herself. How the O-shot improves the power and duration of female orgasms. The secrets of the vampire breast lift. How hormone function affects your sexual health. What are bioidentical hormones and are they really natural? What's the number one food ingredient that kills men's testosterone levels? Why having too much iron in your body is bad for men and how to get rid of it? The benefits of rubbing testosterone into your genitals for men and women, oddly enough. What's the purpose of this pea shot that I'm getting and where exactly she'll be injecting my private parts with stem cells right after the interview? The secret cure to premature ejaculation that you can order right on Amazon for under $20. The power of Gaines Wave treatment for erectile dysfunction. Are erection drugs safe and what are the side effects? How she convinced her husband to be her guinea pig for some of her experimental therapies. What causes hair loss and how to fix it with stem cells? I'm really after that because I got to be honest, my my hairline's getting a little far back there for for my taste. So uh, hopefully the stem cells uh, help that along. How do you stem cells and PRP to give a non-surgical facelift and how she's going to inject my face and scalp with cells? What happens when airport security catches you with a penis pump? So as you can see, this is kind of the more provocative half of the two interviews. It's a really fun one. Amy has a great sense of humor, but she's also brilliant. So you're going to laugh and you're going to learn a lot in this one. So now I present to you live from the operating room, Dr. Amy Killen. Here we are, Amy. I made it to Park City, Utah. I'm about to undergo your treatment. Really Yay. great to meet you. Welcome nice to, to meet the show. You. Thank you. 
All right, so let's jump right into it. First off, I love your name, <laughs> Dr. Amy Killen. And I just have to ask if your friends are like, you're killing it, Amy. I mean, you must hear that's like a constant thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a t-shirt that says killing it on there that I wear occasionally. Okay, good. And so it's a, it's a good doctor. It's actually Dr. Amy B. Killen, which is a pretty awesome doctor name, I feel like. That's insane. It's, yeah. It's, which is, by the way, uh, listeners and watchers, that is her Instagram as well. Yes, that's right. So, Dr. Amy B. Killen. Yeah, so you can follow her there. Love it. So you used to be an ER doctor. What led you to get into regenerative, regenerative medicine? Um, there's a couple of things. So I did ER for about 10 years. And first of all, it was really hard on me just as a person. You know, you don't sleep. You get up at three in the morning to go to work. You eat bad food all day. You know, you're super stressed. And so I kind of sort of started seeing that wear and tear on me. And then I also got frustrated seeing patients coming in that I wasn't feeling like I was helping them. Like they would come in and I would give them, you know, some medicine and send them on their way. And there's no time for teaching them about lifestyle and teaching them about other alternative ways of living and preventative medicine and things like that. So I felt like I wasn't doing them any service. So I started becoming interested in, in preventative medicine and integrative medicine and all the things I do now. Awesome. Cool. I can see how that environment would be stressful in a number of ways. Yeah, it just definitely is. <laughs> hospitals are stressful just when you walk in. And I think one of the main things is the lighting. We just went upstairs and looked at your new office suites up there. And I was like, oh my God, there's so much great natural light. Yeah. It's like makes the whole thing feel healthier. Yep. So what is regenerative medicine? And let's just talk about I mean, I covered with Dr. Harry PRP and stem cells a little bit, but from your perspective, what appealed to you about working with those modalities? I like the idea of getting your body to heal itself. So sort of giving your body the tools to do that instead of having to take other medications or do you know surgeries or things like that. I think it gives, for the things I do, a very natural response, natural approach, and it looks nice for skin. So I really like that tricking your own body part of it. Right. It's less invasive generally than some of the other. Yes. It's very safe and, you know, get great results that are lasting. Also, it's not just something that lasts a few hours or, you know, a few months. But for the things I do, you you know, these things last for years. So while Dr. Harry focuses on pain and healing injuries, you specialize in skin and sex, which (laughs) is like way more interesting. I mean, like my, I'm like an old man, my sore back. I'm like, let's talk about sex. Okay. (laughs) Spine schmine. Let's talk genitals. Um, So tell us about that. And then we're going to dive a little deeper into those subjects. But what led you into working with stem cells and PRP and all this for those purposes for beauty and sexual enhancement? So when I started doing this anti-aging and integrative medicine, I had patients that would come in and say, hey, can you also help with my skin health and make me look more youthful? And or they would say, can you help with my sexual function and make that more better? And so not more better, but better. So I found that they're actually a similar patient population, the people who wanted help with their skin and their hair, as well as sexual optimization. They're all kind of the same patient population. And I also found the treatments that I could use for each of those things. There's a lot of overlap in treatments that were effective for all of them, including stem cells and regenerative medicine, as well as some of the lasers that I do and the other machines that I use. They're actually effective for all those three areas. So I found it kind of fascinating and it's kind of a fun topic. So that's kind it of where a fun I landed. Topic. And <laughs> I, I guess like the obvious thing is people will pay money like to, oh, yeah. to improve those <laughs> things. It's a, it's a good business model, you know? That's true. <laughs> it's, it's a sexy business model. So when you inject stem cells into vaginas, 
What is the purpose of that, and where do you actually inject it? It depends on the person. Everyone and has we call this goals. the O shot. The is O that shot right? or okay. the orgasm. The O okay. shot is classically just PRP. So platelet-rich plasma is uh, sort of the person who trademarked it just was doing PRP, uh, which is kind of like stem cell fertilizer, right, from your own blood. What I do is I do an O shot like on steroids. It's essentially a you know I call it a turbo O shot, but I use stem cells, I use exosomes, I use PRP. So not just PRP, but also some of the cellular components in there. But it's as far as wearing what it is, it's at least two injections. One is the anterior vaginal wall, so kind of the kind of where the G spot is that we talk about. I'm familiar, um, yes. <laughs> at least I think I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'd have to ask my exes if I actually am. <laughs> so that's not it. Oh damn. I thought I was I thought I was a real stud. And then the second spot, which you also may be familiar with, is the clitoris. So we do what an injection into the clitoris and into the anterior vaginal wall. We wow. numb it first with the topical numbing cream. Right. So, so that actually, doesn't require general anesthesia, obviously. No, no, no. You're okay. awake. It's a five-minute procedure once we get the stem cells and the PRP. It's actually really easy. It just sounds painful. And I know. That's why I had to ask that. I was like, God, that just sounds so gnarly. What are the experiential changes for the patient who gets the O-shot? Is there any visual change? Like, you know, for a woman that's had a bunch of kids and things are falling apart down there or... <laughs> A woman that can't have orgasms can now or stronger or longer or more frequent or what's what's yeah, the deal with that? Yeah, it can be that? all of the above. I've had patients tell me that they have had, you know, certainly tightening of the vaginal tissue, improved like lubrication, which is a big problem after menopause in a lot of women. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, the hormonal changes definitely ah, lead to right. um, some atrophy of the vaginal tissues. Uh, I've had people tell me that things look more youthful and certainly improving orgasm uh, strength as well as just sensations and improving and sensations. And then it also can be helpful for stress urinary incontinence, which is sort of bladder leaking, you know, when you cough or sneeze or run that a lot of women have and don't talk about. We could also see improvements in that as well. Wow. Fascinating stuff. This is amazing. I know. <laughs> so you could say that generally with the O shot, the overall end result is that women are going to likely enjoy their whole sexual experience more. Yes. I right. think that's fair. Right. That's the idea. I think it's unfair, actually, because I, I feel like women already enjoy it more. <laughs> I, I mean, I've heard men claim they have multiple orgasms and stuff, and I'm like, really, dog? Like, you know, I've not seen empirical evidence of that clearly, but um, but a lot of women do not enjoy the experience. There's actually, I've heard, you know, forty percent yeah. or so of women have some degree of sexual dysfunction, whether that's lack of sex drive and libido, or whether it's actual problems with orgasm or arousal or other things. But the number is pretty big, and people don't talk about women's dysfunction like right. they do men's dysfunction because i've never heard of that yeah, i have exactly. obviously, <laughs> obviously subjectively i don't have that experience being right. a male but it's definitely not i just about. i would just assume all women are just having multiple orgasms right, right. or just living the dream that's what and men think. us guys are the ones that you know get older and can't get it up and stuff yeah, like so that that's not that's not the so truth that's, so 40 percent. yeah not not necessarily yeah. all the time and it's different right. you know variations in what's causing it but right. you know it's a problem and one that i think is not researched enough it's certainly not talked about enough and people just don't know about it and how much of that, just this might be outside of evidence or just your intuition or experience, but how much of that female sexual dysfunction do you think is physiological versus psychological trauma, just being disconnected from one's body experience, etc.? Now that's difficult. I think obviously the psychological component is huge for both sexes. Yeah. I think 
probably more so for women. There's a lot more sort of in the brain kind of like stress and anxiety and, you know, do I look fat today kind of stuff that goes on with women that affects, you know, everything as far as sexual function. I don't know. I don't know what the, yeah. how many, how many. That's a totally women. unanswerable it's, question. It's a hard question. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. But, you it know, just it, popped in my head out of curiosity. I'm like, oh, that's interesting because... I think as a man, I remember being in high school and first experimenting with sex, and I had a few situations in which I got so nervous and caught up in my head that I couldn't perform. And it was like, literally, that's like, you know, like a murderer or a monster chasing you in the middle of the night. Like, it's just the worst fear, (laughs) the worst scenario ever when you're that young and you don't realize it's not a big deal. Right. You know, but then as I got older, that never happened anymore. But I think just because I came... Yeah, the anxiety part of it is Yeah, like, I'm just became comfortable with my body and I wasn't as worried about, like, my performance and stuff. But definitely when I was in my teens, it was not a physical phenomenon. There was nothing wrong with my body or my hormones by any stretch. Literally, I would just get in my head and like freak out inside and feel nervous and But I find that if you have, if you can improve some component of the, you know, actual sort of sexual organ system, you can improve the lubrication or the sensitivity or the tightness or, or for men, the firmness or whatever, that it does feed back to then they have more confidence and they're more interested in their sex drive is higher. So there's this sort of snowball chicken and egg thing that happens. So even if part of it was just in your head and part of it was structural, if you could fix sort of the structural part of it, then you may also be able to fix the part that's in your head sort of without thinking about it. It is a loop because if there's some physiological performance issue, even a slight one as a guy, it can self-perpetuate and then it gets worse because oh, yeah, you start totally. freaking out about it. And Absolutely. obviously, I'm sure it's the same with different issues yeah. sexually for a woman. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting stuff. What about, and this is just total left field, but I was curious, have you ever injected a woman's breasts and would there be any benefit to that aesthetically? You know, Yeah, there's like actually that? something called the vampire breast lift. Oh, really? So the guy, Dr. Runnels, who invented the O-shot and the P-shot and the vampire facial and facelift, which is PRP for the face, he also has a procedure that he calls the vampire breast lift. This is Dr. Runnels. I haven't done it. It involves a large volume of PRP because it's, you know, usually I'm using like 10 milliliters of platelet-rich plasma. Um, How many like tablespoons is that just for a point of reference? <laughs> Approximately. I, it's like a little vial. I'm showing it. No one can, people can't even, I don't know. I should know it's my like conversions. It's like a syringe full? It's like a like, small syringe full. Okay. But I have to collect, you know, six times that much blood to make that much platelet-rich plasma. Right. But with the breast lift, you're giving, you know, 50 or 60 or 70 or more milliliters of PRP, which means you have to collect a lot more blood. So yes, it's so a So do they walk out all anemic and like they're, lightheaded? They're like falling down on their way They're out. like, my breasts look amazing, but I can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Are there any reports of improved like sensation or is it just something women do? With the breast lift? Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing that you would experience somewhere else. You'd have improved blood flow. You'd have improved collagen and volume. And PRP has been shown to increase nerve generation in some areas of the body, including the penis. So I suspect that you could increase some of the nerves in the skin as well, although I haven't seen research to that effect. Right. Okay. Interesting. Because I know some women report that they have very little feeling in their nipples and then report like women that I'm like, like I read reports. You're and doing- women that <laughs> I've, the studies you've been doing. Women I've dated, you know, some of them have very sensitive nipples and some of them not at all. And they're just like, I'm bored. Get away from there. So just curious. <laughs> move on. Just curious about that. <laughs> so this is fun. How does hormone health affect women sexually and how can it be improved? So aside from the stem cell and PRP and all that, I want to just go a little bit deeper into women's issues in general. Yeah, I do a lot of hormone work with men and women. And with women, you know, 
all of their their menstrual cycle and all of their sort of sexual desires are tied up in in hormonal fluctuations. So we know that during certain times when you have certain types of levels of estrogen and progesterone, testosterone, that's when you're the most interested in having sex or you're the least interested in having sex. So there's all these fluctuations that affect that just in a normal normal life. And then certainly as we get older, and by older I mean you know 35, 40, not that old, you start to have some problems with low levels of certain hormones like progesterone goes down, testosterone goes down. And one of the side effects is that you maybe don't have as much libido, you don't have as much vaginal lubrication, you don't have, you know, just things change. And certainly postmenopausal women, all the hormones go down and drop way down. And that affects not just your interest in sex, but it also affects the structural integrity of your sexual organs. So you have your vaginal tissues start to, they're not as lubricated, they're not as sensitive, they start to get thinner, you get prone to infections. Like there's all these things that happen that that are hormone related that we actually can help fix by just giving you back hormones. But you know, that's a whole other topic. As part of your practice, do you do bioidentical hormone replacement do, yeah. and things like that? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I do that for men and women and it makes a huge difference in people when they need them. Can you explain? I always just assume everyone knows what I'm talking about when I get nerdy, but can you explain bioidentical hormones versus synthetic hormones? Yeah. So bioidentical just means the hormones are exactly like the hormones your own body makes. So, you know, if it's testosterone that we're giving you, it's the exact same molecular structure of the testosterone that you already have in your body. So that's all that it means. So basically... Does each person have a unique sort of signature? No, or, no. Okay. So your testosterone is just like, you know, Joe's testosterone and whoever else's. But the difference is that if we give you, for instance, you could take another non-bioidentical testosterone, it does have some differences structurally. The molecular structure of it's different. And so your body can react differently to it. So maybe it causes liver damage or maybe it causes, you know, in women, it increases your heart attack risk or your stroke risk or your breast cancer risk or some of the things with women, especially a lot of the studies that came out years ago that showed that hormones were bad were because they were these pharmaceutical kind of synthetic hormones that were actually causing inflammation because they weren't like the ones that were already in your body. So I only give hormones if they're bioidentical, which means they're just like what we already have. Wasn't one of the female hormone replacements uh, made from horse urine, like yes. mare urine or yes. something? Was that yes. true? Or yeah, that, no, wow. yeah, that's what that was used. It's still used. It's really? Still used. That doesn't um, sound safe somehow. <laughs> it's not as safe as what we uh, that the other things we can do now. Wow, interesting. So if I came and I had low testosterone, I'm like, okay, Amy, I want bioidentical hormone treatment. Where does that actually come from? And is it still synthetic or is it? So that's the thing. The word synthetic versus natural is a little bit, there's kind of misnomers because the hormones, the bioidentical hormones, they're still synthesized from something that may not be natural. Sometimes they are, like for instance, progesterone is often made from yams, but not everything has something out in nature that you can distill it from. So they're made in a lab still. Bioidentical hormones are often still made in the lab, but they're still the same hormone that you already have in your body. So you don't have that inflammatory reaction to it. I see. So essentially science is tricking your body into going, aha, this is from you, but it's actually not. Exactly. Okay, cool. And what about diet in terms of how it affects our hormones? Uh, I, I, I ask because my hormones have been really good for many years especially there was a a marked change from the way I used to eat, which is highly inflammatory vegetarian to becoming, I guess, like bulletproof diet, kind of paleo and super high fat. And then without changing a lot else in terms of, you know, my movement practice and exercise and all that, 
my hormones just like were vastly improved. So what about diet and lifestyle? I mean, it's hugely important for everything, obviously, including hormones. You know, we know that, for instance, with testosterone, men who eat a lot of sugar or they're obese don't make nearly as much testosterone. Men who don't get enough branched-chain amino acids, uh, who don't get enough vitamin D, who don't get enough protein are not going to make as much testosterone. Fats are really important for both women and men because your hormones are made from cholesterol. So if you're not getting enough good fats in your diet, then it's difficult for you to make your hormones. So, you know, these sort of high inflammatory, high carbohydrate, high sugar diets, they wreak havoc on your body in like a million different ways. And hormones are just one of them. So I'm always curious in terms of providing your body with the building blocks of hormones that a high fat diet would do. Do you think that plant-based or vegan diet people are compromising their body's ability to be healthy hormonally based on the fact that they're only getting, you know, plant fats, olive oil, coconut oil, et cetera? Or can the body still use those to build the same stuff as animal fat or lard or fish oil or whatever? Yeah. I think that if the vegan And I don't mean that in a political sense. I mean, just strictly from your scientific point of view. I think it's certainly possible to be very healthy and hormonally balanced and everything as vegetarian, as a vegan. It is a little harder to make sure you're getting good quality fats, good quality protein. Now, those are the two things that I see that are problems. You know, a lot of patients that I see that are vegetarian or vegan don't get enough iron. And that's something else that's really important. Like for hair, for instance, you know, there's hair loss is associated with lower iron levels. So there are some things like that that they have to be really aware of and make sure that they're targeting their diet to getting those good quality. Do you run lab tests on people? Mm-hmm. Oh, you do? Do you see any difference between like a you know, toxic standard American diet person who just eats whatever from Costco? Or <laughs> I think it's all that food that I try to avoid. And then a really healthy vegetarian or vegan and then a really healthy, you know, clean food eating like paleo diet person? No, I haven't compared it, but I certainly, I see trends towards lower inflammatory markers like CRP is one of the ones that we check, which is a, just a marker of general inflammation in your body. And you know that level team tends to be lower in people who are eating a cleaner diet, less sugar, who are not you know, significantly overweight, who are more active, things like that. Yeah, and certainly iron, like I said, iron's a big one that I definitely see that's lower in people who are not eating meat. I've heard that iron in women tends to be low because of menstruation. Is that true? That is true. It's not low in everyone, but it's definitely lower in a lot of women. And, you know, just the thing is you have to have a very low iron in order to see it in your red blood cell count. So most people are not anemic, which means they have normal red blood cell count. But if you don't have enough iron, you could have problems with hair loss and some things like that that are that are easy to fix just by taking a supplement of iron or eating more iron-rich foods. And then what about for men having too much ferritin from actually having too much iron? Is that an issue? Uh, it's another yep. thing that I've heard. Yep. In fact, I go give blood and I sound like a really horrible person. I don't give blood for the sole purpose <laughs> of like helping other people that need blood, but I give it to unload some of that iron yeah. because I've had some blood work over the years and it's a bit high. I think it was the ferritin. They're like, oh, well, it's too high. Go give blood. Yeah. Ferritin can certainly be high. That's iron. That's the stored iron in your body. And some people have an actual disease where it's high, like hemochromatosis, where it's a disease and you have to give blood. Like it does damage otherwise. And some people just have higher levels or people who are on taking testosterone, for instance, or just have high testosterone levels will have higher iron levels and higher ferritin levels. So it's a probably a good idea if it's too high to get rid of some of that extra blood. Right. And then when you're administering the bioidentical hormones to bring someone back into balance, what's your preferred method of delivery? I've heard of these pellets you can get put in your hip of testosterone. What are the different ways yeah, people I do, can get Yeah, I in? do all of the above. At my clinic, we do all of the above. You can do pellets in men and women, so testosterone, estrogen, and pellets where they just, you put it under the skin, it sits there for 
four to five months and then dissolve slowly. You don't have to think about it. And it's, it's really easy. Do you feel like a lump in your no, butt or something? No, there's no, it's, Someone's it's, like, that's a weird mole. <laughs> it's super easy. Um, it's just like a, you know, a little office procedure. That Is you it like as big minutes. as a Tic Tac or smaller? It's Well, for women, it's about Tic Tac size. Okay. For men, they're like several times a Tic Tac and you get like eight of them. Wow. So it's a lot more for, we kind of fan them out for men because men, you know, for testosterone, yeah. your testosterone levels are, 10 times that of women. So we give you 10 times as much testosterone. Interesting. And how important is testosterone to women? I think as I speak with women, they tend to think that that's like something that's only needed for men. What role does testosterone play in women's health? That's huge. It's not the primary hormone for women like estrogen is, but it's really important for sex drive, but also for things like being able to form muscle and burn fat for energy, for motivation. So the same kinds of things that it's important for men it's important for women. Oh, cool. So I give women testosterone all the time. Right. And also in terms of hormone optimization, are you familiar at all with the use of red light therapy to improve testosterone production? I am a big fan of red light therapy for specifically for skin is what I oh, use it for because right. it's great for skin and increasing mitochondrial ATP production and health of skin. But I have also heard some things about increasing using it to increase testosterone. I haven't seen studies that have shown it does that yet. So I'm, I'm on the lookout for those, but I know people have, have used the red light therapy on their genitals. Yeah. And things. I, yeah. Me, you're sitting <laughs> you in front of one of them. The <laughs> uh, self-experimenters well, here's, out there. Here's the, here's the, I have this thing called the Juve and it's a big yes. panel. It has uh, near infrared, I think in mid infrared, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And it's, it's quite powerful. I mean, like I like to freak people out that come over to record podcasts and stuff. They go, Oh, let me sell your biohacking stuff. And I bring them in my little man cave studio and I flip on that red light and they're like, ah, yeah. it's like <laughs> yes. really, really bright. But I'll stand in front of that thing naked for 10 minutes, usually twice a day. Sometimes I miss the second one. And I just, you know, make myself busy. I curl weights or, you know, I try to just do I something. Good, I have a good mental picture happening Yeah, I try to do something <laughs> else productive there. But here's the deal is that I had my testosterone checked in, I think, 2012 and 2015. It was like in the 300s. It was just tanked early on. That's when I was on a really inflammatory vegetarian diet unknowingly. And then in 2015, it had gone up to 400, low 400s or something. Then some years went by and my diet improved. I added a lot more fat, got rid of inflammatory foods. I'm out in the sun a lot more, just, you know, generally more health conscious than ever. And then I got it checked after like three months of using the Juve and it was like 870. Nice. That was insane. Yeah. I'm like, that can't just be from like, oh, now I eat more ghee. I mean, right. it, you know what I'm saying? Like it <laughs> yeah. had to have had some effect, but then I got it tested again and it had leveled out in the 600s or something like that a few weeks later. So yeah. it's, it seems, does it fluctuate it a does lot fluctuate, like that? Okay. Yeah. It's highest during certain times of the day. Morning, ah, for instance, okay. it's pretty high. Testosterone okay. goes up and down. And really even a couple of hundred points is not a big variation. You know, oh, in interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, I have had patients and people I've talked to on podcasts who have been doing the red light therapy, like you said, but I haven't, I need to do a study and just like get some values before and after right. kind of over the period of a few weeks or yeah. months because I think it's possible. I just haven't seen, I haven't seen the, good there, there is a bit of data out there. Uh, the Juve people, you know, I work with them and so as an affiliate and so every time they have a new study, they send it to me so they can, I can check the efficacy before I'm like pitching something to people and talking about right, it and encouraging right. other people to buy it without it actually working. But I always forget about the skin benefit too, because I'm in oh, front of that yeah. thing a couple times a day. I'm like, it's yes, that's good. And nitric oxide, it's supposed to increase nitric oxide too, which is huge for right. whole body health as well as especially for sexual health. 
that's one of the big players for getting erections and for good sexual health. So there's a lot of good benefits. Cool. Awesome. Okay, well, good. I'm going to keep on that then. <laughs> All right. So today you're going to be injecting stem cells into my penis. Uh, I want to... <laughs> Are you like, cringing a little bit I, right now? <laughs> I, I am a bit, yeah. Years ago, I was considering getting a vasectomy. Just, I'm glad I didn't because now I'm more open to the idea of having kids. I was in my 30s. Like, I'm never having kids, bro. I want to do my own thing. And I think as you get older, hopefully you get a little more wise and mature. So I'm glad I didn't. But really the main reason I didn't is just because I couldn't stand the idea of them going around and cutting and snipping down there. Even if I was like under anesthesia, it's just like, God, <laughs> cut me anywhere but there. Stick a needle anywhere but there. So where's that needle actually going to go? So the needle, there'll be five injections. Oh my God. You'll be asleep. You won't even care. I don't even, it's still, <laughs> it's still terrifying. <laughs> a very small needle. Okay. Um, there'll be two on each side in the corpus cavernosum, which are like the, I call them the erection tubes, the tubes that fill with blood that are along the top there. Two on each side of those, those tubes. And then the last one will be kind of towards the tip. It was called the corona, which is like the ring shaped kind of part at the base of the glands. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and I'm hoping, and we're going to get this on film too. So I don't know. We'll have to like, we'll have to, what they call Greek out, like have yeah. that little blurry thing when it shows right. the, the, the bits, you know, but um, yeah. so that's interesting. And that's the P shot. And then I'm assuming some guys do this without general anesthesia. Did some guys yes. just get numbed and you most just go to yeah, town? Yeah, most people do not get general anesthesia. So we just do topical numbing cream or right. we can do a nerve block where we put a little numbing at the base and it just numbs the whole thing up. Oh, interesting because that's where the blood's coming that's from? That's where the nerves come in. Oh, so we okay, can, okay. we can block that nerve and your penis is numb for like four hours. Inter <laughs> interesting. That must be a strange <laughs> feeling. Actually, I do you know John Gray, the author, yeah. Men Are From Mars? I, I've interviewed him a couple of times. Fascinating guy but he knows a lot about hormones and he uh, relationships and of course sex and on one of the interviews he we were talking about erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation and some of the issues that men have and he told me about this you can get numbing spray and spray it on your penis prior to sex and right. basically like last forever yeah. Because it's not, yeah, you know, it still feels good, but it's not that sensitive. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, it sounds like bullshit. And then I ordered some on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm a biohacker. I was like, just in case, you know, I mean, I like sex. If, if you can make sex better, I'm in, you know. But was it better or not? It's pretty amazing. Okay. Yeah. It's not something you would do every time. Yeah. But if you're going like marathon status, you're on a weekend getaway and you want to really <laughs> go to town and. You know, because for a guy, the second one's never as good. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can do your little rest period and come back and get back in the game, come off the bench, but <laughs> you're never as turned on as you were in the first round. So if you can like prolong that first round, it's pretty fantastic. So yeah, I, having a numb penis isn't necessarily bad. Oh my God, I just remembered something. Back in my former life as a drug user, people used to do that with cocaine. You'd take a little, you know, a friend of mine told me about it. <laughs> You take a little cocaine and put it right on the tip and it kind of goes in the little uh, pee hole uh -huh. a little bit and then numbs the tip and effectively does the same thing. But obviously that would be illegal. Whereas the numbing yes. spray, it's for tattoos, the numbing spray yeah, yeah. Uh, you get on Amazon, yeah. you know? So yeah, interesting stuff. Totally. Wow, very interesting. Total digression uh, there, but I try to provide as much value to the listener yeah, as possible. I appreciate that. So I'm going to walk out numb. I don't plan on doing anything with my genitals at any point Actually, today. you will not be numb because you'll be asleep when I do it. Oh, so and we then will it, have to numb you. And then it will, oh, that's right. So you'll that's wake right. up okay. just totally fine. Is it going to be sore later? No. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It okay. won't be sore. Good. Now, what would happen if you inject... Would there be any, any benefit to this? It's just the way my mind works, and I apologize in advance. What would happen if you injected stem cells and or PRP like right into a man's testicle? Would that... 
produce a more abundance of sperm or more, uh, you know, virile sperm or do anything with that area? I have no idea. <laughs> however, I had however, a feeling you'd however that there way. are some studies in women where they have put PRP directly into the ovaries for infertility and actually have in some women, they've actually seen an increase in ovulation in those women. These are not things wow. that I do, but I have seen, yeah, yeah. I have seen reference to that in women. So wow. maybe. Cool. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. It's just the weird stuff my, my head <laughs> comes up with. I think that's why people like my show because it's weird sometimes. Are you married? Yes. And have you ever treated your husband with a pee shot? I have treated him. You with, don't have to answer yeah, I have. that. I have. With all the things that I do, like when I first learned to do them, I bring them home and I'm like, Kyle, I have a new treatment to try. And he's like a needle phobic and just in general. So like all my facial injections when I first started doing them, the P shot, the gains wave, all the things I do, he's kind of my guinea pig and he's never happy about it because he knows that I'm just learning right. and I've got like shaky hands and I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure if this is right. And he's always like, what am I doing? But yes, I have, <laughs> I have done those on him. Because it seems like that would be something kind of cool for you as the wife to be like, hey, I'm going to practice my work, but maybe actually get a fringe benefit from right. you know, said husband's <laughs> improved performance. <laughs> Interesting. And in terms of the O shot, I'm assuming that as a fan, you've had them administered to yourself as well? I have had, yes. And in fact, the day I did my training years ago on the O shot, it was a group of doctors. We were all training. And as part of the training, we did each other. You know, I injected that doctor, that person did me. So it was like a group, it was like a group event. It was kind of weird. But yes, I have had it done in the past and it was great. Have you ever done it to yourself? No, <laughs> I have not. That would be tricky, I feel like, just from a like, getting uh, right. like, like a... Like Anatomically a, yeah. difficult. I have done my face. I've injected my face with PRP myself several times and wow. and done, I do microneedling. I mean, yeah. I do a lot of my own sort of aesthetic treatments, right. but I haven't done the ocean. It shows you have great skin. Thank you. Yeah, so I have the utmost confidence. You mentioned, what's the thing, Gaines Wave. I heard Ben Greenfield talking about this and then they randomly sent me an email like, hey, you want to take part in our trial and become oh, an affiliate <laughs> and fly down to Florida. And I was like, sounds interesting. Honestly, yeah. I just didn't want to fly down to Florida. What is yeah. Gaines Wave? So Gaines Wave is a new way to treat erectile dysfunction, but also just to improve male sexual performance. And basically it uses, it's a device that uses sound waves. It's also called low intensity shockwave therapy. It's been used in Europe for about 10 years. It's super easy, non-invasive, not painful, no downtime kind of thing, where we essentially do a series of treatments, usually about six treatments over maybe three weeks that are like 30 minutes, easy, you know, in and out kind of things, but it increases blood flow in the penis. So it increases blood flow now, as well as, you know, in the next few months and lasts for several years. So you can- Oh, it lasts that long. Yeah. Wow. So it lasts for a year or two wow. after you do the series. And it's actually one of my favorite things right now. I love, I combine my regenerative treatments like the stem cells and PRP, the P-Shot with the gains wave with the hormones and Damn. it's like this awesome trifecta of amazingness. You're like a stud factory over <laughs> exactly. here in Park City. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Gaines Wave is wow. awesome and it's kind of changing the way that we treat erectile dysfunction as well as just improving, you know, blood flow and function in general. Wow. Well, it looks like I'll be making another trip out here and spending six weeks. Um, <laughs> so... In terms of the pharmaceutical alternatives, drugs like Viagra and Cialis, I mean, all of these interventions obviously sound way safer. Are there any known, widely known side effects to taking those drugs for um, performance you know, or in erectile In general, those drugs are pretty safe. They do have side effects, but they're generally not harmful to you. So certainly if you take certain types of medications, like for people who have heart disease and take nitrates or things like that, you don't want to take 
those medications because they can make your blood pressure go too low. They're not usually harmful, but they do have known side effects. Like a lot of patients will get headaches or they'll get vision changes or they'll get diarrhea or flushing or stomach upset. Or there's all these things like that that are pretty common in patients who take the medicines that they get right afterwards. It lasts for a few hours. Yeah. I When Viagra first came out years ago, of course, every guy was like, I want to try that, you know? And I did not like it at all. It gave me a headache, made my ears all red and made my ears ring. It was like not happening at all. Not a fan. Yeah. But that's good to know that it's not known to be like really, really dangerous. Yeah. For most people. Yeah. Okay, cool. Still, I think these interventions sound more interesting and more efficient because they're long term. They're long term. And you're repairing the damage as opposed to just kind of band-aiding it. Like, you know, you're actually improving the blood flow, which blood flow is almost always the issue with erectile dysfunction. So you're improving the blood flow and you're improving the sensitivity and you're improving, you know, all the things that are maybe broken. Um, You're helping to repair them so that you have improved performance for a long period of time instead of just for, you know, four hours or whatever. Right. Yeah. And plus, if it makes your face all red, if you take Viagra, then your partner's going to know you. It's not the real you. That's true. <laughs> just like you They're had gonna be on to you. Why are you all red after you came out of the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the anti-aging stuff, there's a couple things you're going to do today. And one is dealing with my face. And, you know, I do live in Hollywood, so I'm not ashamed of having some degree of vanity left. And I do see myself aging. I'm 47. Sometimes I see a picture, look in the mirror. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like an old guy. This sucks. <laughs> uh, and then we're also going to be doing some stuff in my scalp. And thank God I haven't lost all my hair, but it's definitely thinning. I'm getting those crow's feet. Or, no, crow's feet are on your eyes. Widow's peak, I think it's yeah. called, which is I'd be cool with, I don't have to be in the greatest shape. I don't need a six pack to be totally ripped. But I'm like, the one thing I would like is to not go totally bald. I don't, and no offense to any bald guys listening. You know, I'm sure you just get used to it. But I really think I would look goofy with the bald head. (laughs) Once I shaved my head, like pretty, really, really short. And I was like, yeah, this is not a good look. It's just, it was tough for my self-esteem. I'm still identified with the physical a little bit. So what are some of the positive effects of treating skin with stem cells and PRP and the scalp and hair growth and all that? So for the skin, the stem cells and PRP can do a lot of things. They can certainly increase blood flow, increase collagen production. So they're kind of like kickstarting your own skin stem cells that are in your face to become more active. So we're you know kind of talking to them and saying, hey, you guys are being lazy. You're not cranking out new skin let's get you more active. So that's what you're doing by giving these injections. So then now all of a sudden your stem cells in your skin are now making more collagen, which is what gives your face structure. They're making more elastin, which is what gives you that bounce back that young skin has and more hyaluronic acid, which is what gives your face like the sort of, you know, has water in it. It's more, it's youthful appearing. So a lot of those things you lose with age starting at like 25. And so we can increase the health of the skin by just increasing those things that are in the skin. And same thing with the hair, you know, you hair follicles, certainly in men, but also in women, certain types of alopecia or baldness, the hair follicles will spend more time in the resting phase than they do in the active growth phase. And as it gets older and older, then you spend more and more time in that resting phase. So what we're trying to do with stem cell therapies and with PRP is we inject around those hair follicles and we stimulate those stem cells and say, hey, you know, let's get back to work. Like we want to have some new hair growth. We don't want to just sit around and get lazy. And so that's kind of the idea. So it's kind of a freshening up of your skin and can also help prevent some photo damage in your skin, which is kind of interesting. It'll help maybe prevent future sun damage. Oh, cool. Because um, I'm I'm a huge in sun California, fan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've never used sunscreen in my life. I don't believe in it. I'm super sun dog, but I'm sure, you know, I'm getting a little oxidative stress from all that exposure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of the idea. I, I noticed when Dave Asprey came here and did his treatment, after that, 
his face was noticeably it younger. Really looking. Yeah, I, know, like, I saw him a few months later, boys. and I was like, "What are you doing, Dave?" <laughs> I thought it was just Instagram filters. To be honest, at first I was like, "All right, Dave figured out how to use Instagram. Great." Saying he looks like he's twenty-five, <laughs> but then I saw him at the Bulletproof conference. Yes. I was like, "Holy crap!" It actually he did get younger. I mean, yeah. obviously he does. He's he like does a me lot of times a yeah. hundred in terms of biohacks and anti-aging medicine. Yes. But I think that really did something. And he's the only one I know that. Yeah, he's had. I see. I treated him twice, a year apart for skin. Um, right. You know, he does other the red light therapy and the this and the that and the so i think it's probably just all coming together but yeah his skin is amazing yeah now. and other people i know have commented like god that guy looks younger all the time like i know it's the stuff works <laughs> so what's the actual application you mentioned micro needling on the face and scalp thing mm -hmm. like how do you actually get them in so the first thing i'll do for the face i actually inject with a needle like a small 27 gauge needle and basically hit all the areas of the sort of whole face just under the skin and then after that i do micro needling micro needling is a little device that has like 10 little bitty needles that just go in about two millimeters. So they create these little micro channels. The micro needling helps induce collagen production on its own. And then when I add topical PRP and stem cells and exosomes and all these things, it kind of gives, there's like these little channels that can, you know, it's a way for those products to get deeper into the skin when they would have a hard time otherwise. So I essentially are able to treat the skin from kind of underneath the skin as well as from the top of the skin. Oh, cool. Because the skin has many layers, right? Right. Cool. Yeah. And then what about the scalp? Is there micro there or just needle injections? So on the scalp, I just do the needle injections. Usually I may do some micro needling as well, but basically just going into where those hair follicles are, which is not very deep and injecting the PRP and stem cells into that area is all we need to do. Am I going to be all red like I had a laser peel tomorrow? <laughs> you will be red today. Okay. If you film anything later on today, you'll be red. No, I'm not. And a little swollen because I'm going to be putting fluid you know, yeah. in your face. Yeah. But by tomorrow, you'll be pink and it'll look like a sunburn and you can oh, just okay. play it off like you were you know at the and beach. is it possible that this will help uh mitigate some of the dark circles that i have yes in fact prp and stem cells are both really nice for dark circles because a it can thicken that skin a little bit that's you know the skin gets thinner as we get older around the eyes so it can thicken that skin a little bit and also part of the reason for dark circles is that the capillaries are leaking and you can kind of see that capillary leak and by putting these things in that area we seems to help with that leaking as well awesome yeah that's one thing like when i'm doing my little instagram filters i always try to take that take out. No, I'm the I don't want way. them to look too fake, but I'm like, God, it's my Italian heritage. Yes. Damn it. I've had dark circles my whole life as a kid. People really? Like, oh, yeah. Like people always ask me, why are you, are you sleep deprived? Right. And I was like, no, I'm just, I, I mean, honestly, I did spend a good 20 years of my life very sleep deprived. So, um, you know, it makes sense. Okay. So last question is, well, second to the last, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened during a sex organ procedure? <laughs> You know, I don't have a lot of weird things that happen during the procedure. I have had some funny stories that have happened after the procedure. Like I always give my male patients a penis pump to take home with them after the Do I get one procedure. of those? You do. <laughs> Amazing. You do. I know. That's great. So, um, I'm going to Instagram live that. And the Just kidding. <laughs> And the pump that I used to use had like, it was like a hand pump and it had this like gun shaped part of the hand pump part was like, like a gun shaped part thing. And so one of my patients took the pump and put it in his carry on bag. And as he was going through security at the airport, the TSA like pulls him aside and they were like, you know, takes out the pump and unwraps the pump and is like holding it up. And, oh you know, over my the God. Baby That's totally happening this? to me. Cause yeah. I, I carry all this biohacking <laughs> tech lasers and freaking hydrogen machine and biomad and all this stuff. So they always rifle through my stuff. So I'll yeah. look forward to that. Yeah. So that was, luckily this guy was a, kind of a badass and he was like, I don't care, you know, bring out my pump. But And what's the purpose of the pump? So the pumping is really nice as a standalone, but especially after procedures, it increases blood flow and oxygenation and 
can really help with the erection firmness and staying power and, and even increase size in some people. So I recommend <laughs> okay. it. Okay. I know. Sign me up. Give me why two. Why are we doing this already? <laughs> <laughs> and why am I just finding out about I this know, today? Exactly. Um, it, and, okay. Well, that's a great story. I love that. Um, and then very last question would be, who are three teachers or teachings that you could recommend? It could be a book. It could be a doctor you study under. It could be a philosophy, anything, just things that have motivated you that our audience might benefit from going and looking up. Oh, that's a hard one. I should have prepared for this. since you just that's asked Dr. Adelson idea. this. <laughs> so one of my sort of mentors that I learned a lot of this PRP stuff was a doctor named Elizabeth Roy, who I'm still a big fan of. And she's taught me a lot of these procedures back years ago when they were first coming out. And I still kind of try to stay in touch with her and, and a big fan of her. And she actually practices in Florida. So if you're ever out there, she's great. I really like the book, Come As You Are. It's a book by Emily Nagari, who is a like a sex therapist physician who has writes a lot about women's sexual health. And I just read that. And that was really good for uh, women to read. It's kind of about how to embracing that you are normal, even if you don't feel like you are and kind of walks through a lot of the sexual kind of problems that women have. Um, That's great. Because as you said, there's a lack of awareness. I mean, I think us guys think, oh, we're the ones with all the problems in that area. So that's cool. And we have a lot of female listeners to the show too. So that's that's a a good good book. I've been like on a, a sex book rampage recently. My Kindle, you know, my app is full. My husband's like, what are you doing? Because always like, there's like tons of these books, but um, but that was a good one. And then other, I don't really, you know, other mentors, really the only other support I would say is my my family has been really supportive. My husband, you know, when I left the ER five years ago and had no job and no income and I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this other stuff. And he, you know, he was like, okay, right on, like, just do it like that. Do whatever makes you happy. And that has been, you know, a huge thing for me to be able to go out and experiment and learn new things and then bring them back and try them and say, and see if they work or not, which is what little did he know you're going to be showing up with a needle and trying to stick him. Right. And then talking about it on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I'll look forward to you poking and prodding me while I'm asleep in the next few minutes. Awesome. I'll look forward to it too. Oh, one last thing I almost forgot. I mean, we're here in Doceri Clinic. So that's one URL. Do you have any other social media websites you want yeah, to send people to? Yeah, so Doceri Clinics is kind of the website that has just the musculoskeletal stuff. The, oh, okay. the my version of it is a Doceri Medical. So D-O-C-E-R-E ah, okay. medical.com. And then I have my own social media through Dr. Amy B. Killen, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Dr. Amy B. Killen. Yeah, exactly. Okay, awesome. So, yeah. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Thanks again for cool. joining me today. Thank you so much. Okay, party people, we did it. <laughs> Completed the surgery. I uh, I wanted to do a quick post from the center as I was coming out of anesthesia, but it took me quite a while to kind of become with it, and I couldn't dig my microphone out of my bag and stuff. So here I am, literally across the street, 200 yards from the Dosere Clinic, back in my hotel room, and I've got to say, strangely enough... I feel pretty together. Uh, The one other time I was put under anesthesia, I think I was brain dead for like three days. Um, And the minute, you know, this started to wear off, they put me under some oxygen and stuff and uh, I started to get my cognition back. However, definitely feeling a little bit of pain and and discomfort. My face is covered in blood uh, from the microneedling that Amy did, the PRP and stem cells. My hair is all crusty with blood and gooey PRP juice or whatever the hell it is. So um, I definitely am not someone you'd want to see out in public. And then my back's a little bit sore. You know, it's it's invasive when you get your 
hip bone drilled into and a bunch of things like that. But by and large, I actually feel okay. I mean, I just wouldn't want to do any heavy lifting or go do CrossFit or some shit right about now, uh, needless to say, but under the directives of my kind doctors who, by the way, were just so awesome and professional. The team here from the anesthesiologist to everyone was just incredibly professional and caring. They walked me back over to my room. Just a really great experience. But of course they said, dude, don't move around, like just chill. So here I am in the room. I've been doing some Instagram posts and some Facebook lives and kind of keeping, you know, uh, watchers engaged in the whole process because I am fascinated by it and I just can't imagine how someone else wouldn't be. So so here we are. I made it through. I, I didn't die under the knife or anything. Uh, what I'm doing for some recovery here is uh, took some kratom or kratom which is a south asian herb that works really well as a painkiller so i took just a little bit of that i'm not interested in the psychoactive component to kratom uh, but it is really good for pain and relaxation and things like that and it's very natural so i did that and um, i haven't run my cold laser yet because i got to talk to dr harry and see when i can do that i think it's too soon but i'm going to use my power medic laser to speed up the recovery of some of the incisions and things like that when it's appropriate. So I, I have that here. However, I have to say I'm kind of bummed that I just ran out of the house the other day without packing my biomat. I think this is the first trip I've taken without my biomat like in 10 years or something like that. And I was just kind of in a hurry and I thought, oh, I'm only there for a couple of days. I can live without it. And then I forgot about the healing powers of that nice infrared light when you're sore as i am and will continue to be so uh they're running out and getting me some muscle relaxers which will help a little bit but honestly i feel fine i just have to be careful about the way that i move so uh that's kind of the re the recovery protocol so far um i'm also oh there's a couple of things actually i'm also going to do some pretty heavy rounds of molecular hydrogen as i've been talking about for my vital reaction inhaler which thankfully i did bring that because that's very supportive of stem cell treatments and a number of other things due to its ability to reduce oxidative stress and all kinds of amazing things that it does. So I did that and then I'm doing some pretty heavy doses of Quicksilver Scientific's um, sublingual liposomal glutathione, which is just good for a lot of things, but it's a really potent antioxidant. It's also gonna flush any possible residuals of the anesthesia out of my body. Although I asked Dr. Harry about that and he's like, dude, you're not under the super toxic anesthesia that you can die from and that takes days to wear off. I mean, I really feel pretty with it so far. So that's, uh, that's my first day. I made it through. Obviously, if you're hearing this, you've heard the interviews and you know what just went on. And I want to let you know that uh, we taped the whole thing, right? We videotaped the whole thing. We had a film crew in there or a cameraman, I should say, in addition to me live streaming it on Facebook and Instagram, not only the interviews, but the entire surgery process. But we had a cameraman in there. So we'll be editing these interviews and the whole surgery into an epic YouTube video where you will really get to see stem cell treatment at its very best, the most advanced stuff going on in this country at least from start to finish. So I encourage you to get over to YouTube and watch that. And the funny thing, well, it's not so funny for him and it's not funny for me because I was unconscious, but the cameraman I think had to leave the room a few times because when he came over there today, 
He just thought he was filming the interviews. I guess no one informed him that he was actually going to be filming the surgery itself in all its gory, bloody detail. And so they reported to me when I came out of the anesthesia that he had to leave the room uh, numerous times to perhaps go uh, vomit or <laughs> at least he almost, I think he fainted or almost fainted or something like that. So that was unfortunate for him, but, um, hopefully we got some good footage of all the incisions and the extractions and the needling and all the gory details. So you can kind of see what's up. I probably honestly won't watch that part cause I'll get too freaked out, but I felt compelled to document it for you, the listener, because that's what I do. I'm hardcore. I go the extra mile. So until my next report, I'm signing off, and my stem cell treatment thus far has been a huge success. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, so it's the day after my treatment. I woke up feeling pretty damn good today, considering what I went through uh, yesterday. You know, anytime you're you're under and you're getting poked and prodded and cut, it's a bit taxing on your system. But I slept ten and a half hours last night, which is absolutely fantastic. However, I only got a sixty-nine percent on my Aura Ring sleep score, which is not optimal, but at least I got a lot of hours in. So feeling pretty good. First thing I did this morning was walk back over to Doceri Clinic and get an IV of a bunch of micronutrients. It's called a Myers cocktail. I got kind of a souped up one with glutathione and vitamin C and amino acids and all of the vitamins and minerals that you could need. So that really helped with my recovery. But the funny thing about going to get the IV is the needle in my arm, all that stuff was fine. But then uh, the nurse who was changing my bandages, because you kind of leak a little bit the day after from the lipo uh, that they do for the fat-derived stem cells, and she showed me the picture of my back, which of course I posted on Instagram. Uh, and then I got all sweaty and faint and like had to sit down. It's crazy. I made it through this whole procedure and did fine with the whole thing until I saw a picture of what had happened, which wasn't even a very gory picture. So that was interesting, but I took some deep breaths and calmed down. So what I've been doing today, in a addition to that for recovery is I'm doing 20 minute sessions on my vital reaction hydrogen inhaler as I've been describing throughout this whole process so I do 20 minutes then I take an hour off I do 20 minutes so I've just been kind of laying low in the hotel and catching up on some emails and whatnot doing my hydrogen and also the tablets and then also using my power medic cold laser on my face to assist in healing this the scrapes and scratches and and holes in my face, essentially. It kind of looks like I got in a fight. In fact, that's what I'm gonna tell people that say, dude, what the hell happened to your face? I'm just gonna say, yo, someone was talking crap. I had to bust loose and I won, um, which I kind of did win because I survived this whole thing. So that's the report for today. And I think I'll be signing out for the day and uh, maybe just check in tomorrow on my way out with one more little report. And that should kind of wrap up this whole experience. But I'm feeling really, really good about it. And I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The people over at the Doceri Clinic are just so amazing and they've treated me so well. You know, they comped my uh, IV today. I was about to get online and find a place to do it and go drop 200 bucks. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? Just walk across the parking lot. We'll take care of you. So I just feel, uh, you know, very well cared for. And uh, the follow-up on their part has been amazing. So I'm doing great. And uh, I'll keep you posted as things progress uh, for the rest of the trip home.
I made it. I'm back in Los Angeles. It's my first day back from Utah. I'm a bit sore. Uh, I look a little beat down. I'm getting some strange looks from people. But mentally and emotionally, I'm just so grateful to get to do what I do for a living. It's like my career and my passion are finally in alignment. And that feels really, really good. So now I'm in full recovery mode. I got to get back to work as soon as possible. I landed and just, you know, life carries on here in the city of Los Angeles. And it is a fast-paced situation. I've got an interview with David Wolf tomorrow. I've got to get uh, my next week's trifecta show prepped featuring Daniel Vitalis. It's all about water. Those will, I think, have already come out by the time you hear this. But anyway, that's what I'm up to. And then I got to get all my presentations together for my upcoming speaking events and whatnot. So I cannot afford to be laying around and uh, resting all that much, although I am taking it easy physically. But I wanted to give you guys a rundown of the entire recovery protocol that I'm going through because it's pretty insane. And I think there might be some value, if not just entertainment there in what actually happens when I uh, come back from an excursion like this. So I left Park City, uh, made it to the Salt Lake City Airport. It was 37 degrees out, but it was really sunny. So maybe for the first time in my life, I actually made it to the airport early and was super chill and not stressed out. Got rid of my bags, checked in, all that stuff. Then I went outside, took my shirt off, uh, walked around in the snow to get grounded, you know, because the snow's more conductive than just putting my bare feet on the concrete. And then I sat on a bench in the sun in that beautiful 37 degrees, crystal clear air, no, no chemtrails, no funny business, just nice, clean mountain air. And did, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of Wim Hof breath work while I was listening to my Kundalini mantras. And I felt so damn good. Now, I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. You, you got to understand. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of cats like me out there. So I kind of, I tried to go to the back of the building at the airport, you know, and, and get on a bench where there were no people. Cause I really, I didn't want to alarm people and I didn't want to get arrested for being a suspected, you know, Unabomber or something. So, uh, yeah, people were walking by looking at me a little strange, but you know, over the years I just learned to deal with that, whatever. So I'm walking around the airport, you know, doing this stuff. I've got two black eyes. My face is all jacked up. People are looking at me funny. And what was interesting is every time I went up to a counter or went through security, it's like, I forget I have two black eyes, right? So I walk up, hand my ID and everyone's looking at me really weird. I'm like, God, I'm not dressed like my normal LA guy self. I, I think I look pretty chill. I'm in my travel clothes, which is you know, sweats and a hoodie. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not attention grabbing. And I remember, oh yeah, I've got black eyes. So that was kind of entertaining. But on a more spiritual way of looking at that, it was actually really cool because there would have been a time in my life where I would have been immensely insecure and self-conscious and tried to hide my face and got all self-obsessed and shit. And I didn't have that happen. I just, I didn't really care. It's just like, whatever, I got black eyes, get over it. So that was, that was good to feel that liberation. So flight was cool, whatever. I'm doing my oxygen canisters on the plane and you know, taking my vital reaction hydrogen tablets, doing my usual thing. And again, freaking people out. Uh, but I'm sitting there going, how are these people just not doing the stuff that I'm doing. I always feel like I'm in some parallel universe. Anyway, I landed at the Long Beach airport, which is now my favorite new airport. And I, I shouldn't even say that because I don't want to blow it up. It's like such a dope discovery. The vibes there are super chill. It's got like, it's just really tiny airport and everything kind of outdoors. You know, there's these beautiful grounds and benches. You can go eat lunch outside. And I love the fact that right when you get off the plane, there's immediate sun, ocean, air, and grass to go stand on. So again, I totally freaked out the natives, took off half my clothes, took my shoes off, and started doing grounded sun salutations and breath work at the outdoor baggage claim area. 
but what's trippy is when <laughs> when I'm doing stuff like that, I mean, it sounds like, oh, I'm trying to get attention. I actually don't want attention. I, I just want to be invisible and be left alone. It makes me a little uncomfortable when everyone stares at me, to be honest. I'm, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. But honestly, what I think in situations like that is I'm like, I feel like I'm the normal person and these 400 people at the baggage claim are actually total freaks because they've just been up at 35,000 feet getting all of this oxidative stress, all of this solar radiation, all this oxygen depletion, all of this germy toxic air just eating the crap on the plane, the whole thing. Like I'm looking at all them, not in a judgmental way, but just like, I'm actually the normal guy here. You guys that are sort of staring at me like I'm an alien are the freaks. Again, inverse universe, zero Fs given. Uh, I got to feel good. I got to recover. So then I get home. Let me see what I do. I did my Juve red light therapy, especially on my face so that I can start to recover my skin. It helps you to produce collagen and it works great in conjunction with the stem cells and PRP that I got shot up into my mug. Then I took an infrared sauna and my clear light sauna, which felt really good because I haven't been in there in a while. And of course I was just in a really cold climate. And then I continued to treat my facial bruises with my Power Medic cold laser. I got a protocol for that, which is going to help it helps, you know, heal any wounds and things like that. And I do have some wounds. I'm not quite ready to treat the holes in my body because I have some stitches still. and I don't want to laser them out yet, but uh, that was really great. And then I, of course, did like a really chill out meditation, rejuvenation session on my amp coil biofeedback PEMF device. And while I was in Utah, I really didn't sleep very well. Um, I think one of the reasons is I just couldn't get my room cold enough. Like it was 30 degrees out most nights and I opened my window and kept it open. But then I set the AC on 65 degrees and I think the AC was like pumping out heat or something because every night I would wake up super hot. I'm like, how am I not cold? The room was freezing. But I think the hotel had like a really badass, you know, down comforter or something. I'm not used to sleeping in something that hot. So anyway, unfortunately, while I was out there, I didn't get great sleep. So when I got back, I, make, I made sure to get a solid nine hours on my first night back of really quality sleep. So to ensure that I did that, I used my Earth Pulse PMF magnets under my mattress and ran a sleep program and that works great. It's not something I do every night because there's some EMF issues with having the wires under the bed and a bunch of techie stuff, but it's really great for recovery and just like when you need to knock yourself out. So I got like, I think a 92% on my uh, aura ring and I crushed my sleep last night, which was really useful. And it reminded me, I need to travel with the earth pulse. The earth pulse is sort of like an amp coil travel size but you know it's much less powerful and it doesn't have the i mean not near the advanced technology that the amp coil does but in a sense you can program different frequencies into it and then you put that on your mattress and i always travel with that but i just i kind of traveled light this time because it was a short trip and you know whatever i don't want to bring all that stuff so today got up feeling good you know my, my sleep was on point and i jumped right back into the swing of things i had an appointment at 12 o'clock out in west la to go get my qeeg brain scan at the neurofeedback center that i go to called peak brain institute something i've been doing for the past year so i got a scan last year when i interviewed dr andrew hill the owner and the idea today was to see how much progress I've made in the past year doing tons of neurofeedback out at the Institute. And today's results were insane. It was so cool to see the before and after. My overall brain health and performance has improved dramatically since my last scan. I also did 
uh, like a mental performance test and I aced that shit, which was fantastic. So it was really cool to see that that, um, you know, that went down. If you want to learn more about neurofeedback and Andrew Hill and what they do out there, you can jump back to episode 30 of the Lifestylist podcast here and learn all about it. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, once I did the scan, then of course I actually did a session, a 39 minute alpha theta neurofeedback session, which is really supportive of recovery from physical stress. There's tons of studies to support that. So I did that. And you can actually watch the whole Facebook live of the process today by joining my private Facebook group. I think if you just search the Lifestylist podcast on Facebook and request to join, you'll be able to see all the past uh, Facebook lives, including the one about this episode with uh, Dr. Amy and Dr. Harry and the whole stem cell journey, even the surgery itself was live streamed, of course. So uh, on my way home from neurofeedback, I stopped at FedEx. I was so excited. I was like a kid on Christmas morning to pick up my latest piece of biohacking tech called the NanoV from N3 out of Seattle. That's E-N-G-3. Great company. This device is super cutting edge and it's extremely effective for physical recovery on a cellular level. It's really hard to explain. I'm just learning to understand it, but it's a really powerful device and it's exactly what I needed. So I was so excited to unpack the NanoV and try it out that I actually ended up posting a 37 minute Facebook and Instagram live feed of the entire unboxing, you know, the maiden voyage. And the NanoV is also very complementary to stem cell treatment. So I feel just incredibly fortunate, again, to do what I do and have access to the things that I have access to uh, in, in this new career path. And it was just perfect that the NanoV was there uh, waiting for me today to help me recover from the stem cell treatment and the whole trip to Utah. So that is the report so far. I'm feeling good. You know, I'm a little bit sore, as I said, but uh, that's to be expected. Um, and this is, you know, something that's going to improve my recovery over the course of the next few months. So I just have to take it easy, not do anything too crazy, vigorous. Uh, I don't want to undo all of the progress that I've made. But that sums up um, the journey here. So this will be the last report. I'll probably do, you know, a closing to this particular episode uh, once I get all of these files together and kind of figure out how I'm going to piece this together. But this is my last field report for this particular episode, and it has been a great success. So that was my stem cell journey, you guys. It's now been five weeks since my treatment in Utah. I'm back here in LA, sitting in my home studio, kind of going over all of these tracks, figuring out how I'm going to put all of this together. You've just heard the put together version. So I really hope you enjoyed this uh, kind of new and experimental format that I've done. I was sort of thinking of like an... Uh, uh, NPR kind of vibe, you know, where I do a little bit and play a little music and a segue into the next one and all that. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe give me some feedback if you want to join my Facebook group, The Lifestylist Podcast, and um, leave some questions or comments over there and we'll see how it goes. But as I said, it's been five weeks and here's what I have to report. Uh, first off, actually, I just need to let you know that when you get stem cell treatment, it's widely known that uh, Old injuries and places that are really painful on your body can take three or four months to heal. So I didn't expect to come back and five weeks later be cured, so to speak. Uh, but where I am right now is my right hip, which has been hurting me for 25 years, has almost no pain. Uh, my left shoulder's been really jacked up for a long time, probably a 70% decrease in pain there. Not a lot more range in motion, but that's not what stem cells are for. They're to kind of get in there and uh, 
and build new tissue and repair things. So I got to say, for those two things, I'm really happy. Now, my lower back pain is still pretty intense, but this treatment tends to flare up long-standing ligament injuries like mine. And the healing, you know, can take a few months after. So I'm going to have to report back to see how that's going, but I'm very hopeful. Now, my face and skin look great from what people tell me. Now, I can't tell because I see myself every damn day, so it's hard to know. But people that didn't know that I had this procedure are saying, wow, your skin looks really good. What's going on? So I'm hopeful that this has had something to do with it. Uh, the recession of my hairline seems to have slowed down a bit, uh, I think, and perhaps my hair might even be a little bit thicker. Now, I was warned by Dr. Amy, it's not like this turns your scalp into a freaking chia pet. You're not going to just grow a full head of hair, but the thinning seems to have calmed down, which I'm really happy about. Uh, speaking of thicker, I can't really give an accurate report on the effectiveness of my pea shot, as I have not yet had the opportunity to use that tool in a real life scenario yet, but I do look forward to taking it for a spin sometime soon should the right co-pilot appear on my radar. I did take the penis pump that Dr. Amy provided me with for a test drive, and I've got to say that that was one of the most hilarious moments of my life. Uh, I'm actually not sure if I'll be able to summon the discipline to make that a consistent practice or if I even need to, but it was part of the protocol, and I'm pretty good at following protocol, so I gave it a shot. Uh, that was freaking funny. So thank you so much for joining me on this fascinating, fun, and sometimes very painful journey for healing and optimization. And uh, as I said, stay tuned for a follow-up report in a few months. As for now, make sure to follow me on Instagram for more of my wacky adventures. And if you want to meet me, ask questions, and interact with me personally, then please join my Facebook group. All you have to do is open Facebook and search The Lifestylist Podcast. Request to join. I'll let you in, and we will get to know one another there. And not only that, but you'll get to know all of the other listeners that I'm hanging out. We have a really great community going over there, and everyone's contributing good information and support. So if you know someone in pain or someone who wants to have uh, bionic sex organs, please share this episode with them by clicking the share button on your podcast player. You can also just send people to the Doceri Clinic. It's a really fantastic clinic. Uh, the two doctors, as you you know, could tell from this episode, are really great people and highly competent. And then stay tuned for next week's show with my badass business partner and ex-girlfriend, Lauren Messiah, where we talk about the psychology of style. Lastly, I'd like to thank our sponsors. First off, Health IQ. If you want to find out if you're healthy or not, you can go take their quiz. So go to healthiq.com forward slash quiz. And then we've got, of course, my old buddies, foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke. And then uh, lastly, again, to my boy, James J. Todd for the soundtrack music here. And you can find his stuff at jjtmusic.com. Thank you so much for joining me on this experimental and hopefully highly entertaining and informative episode of the Lifestylist podcast. I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>